until the world where daytime animation reigns and the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-hosts Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman, the animated series as explored by the Literary Licensed Podcast. podcast and we're in the season six and we're bringing you a brand new episode where we'll be covering batman the animated series which aired in the 1990s and before we get started let's find out who's with us we got vicky ray with us hello vicky hello everybody joe rendazzo hello joe hey everyone and sean stefan hello sean hello everybody and I'm your host, Keith Shago. And before we get started, let's find out what we have all been up to since last time we've seen each other. And started with you, Sean, because it's been a, a year or two, hasn't it? It has been a minute or two uh, since I've been <laughs> here. Uh, pretty much I've been uh, just working, trying to do whatever I can. I work as a bartender when I'm uh, in my in my real life. So uh, in, real life. in my real life, as opposed to doing uh, anything else. Um, no, I've been working as a bartender and it's been rough in the restaurant industry over the last few years with the pandemic. Oh, God, going on. Yeah. So uh, that's mainly what I've been primarily doing uh, over the last few months, though. I've uh, started looking back at a couple of the shorts that I wrote over the pandemic and uh, trying to turn them into a feature. I had an idea that I've been kicking around the back of my head for a while that uh, I'm trying to work on. And uh, over the last few weeks, uh, specifically, I'm trying to clean up my place. Uh, some big news is going on in the city of Chicago, and uh, I, my house might be on the market in a couple of years. So I'm trying to do whatever I can to uh, get it ready before the bears move right across the street from where oh, I Oh, you're getting a stadium. I'm getting a stadium about a thousand feet from me. It's a little, it's a little too close for liking, but I think that there'll be some people that'll be very happy to move in. Oh man, put that thing on Airbnb and make yourself some money. <laughs> it is literally like I'm not even joking. It's literally around the corner from where we are right now. Like we could walk out, we could walk to a Bears game in five minutes. <laughs> They're building a whole little town across the, the street, casinos and everything. Uh, it's it's going to be nuts. Yeah, it's I'm funny looking. because when I first heard about it, I thought, oh, okay, I, I, I know where that train station is because that's a train station I walk to when I go to the city. It's like a 20-minute walk. <laughs> but the stadium's even closer than that. The stadium is literally like five, like a five-minute walk from where we are. <laughs> I was like, dude, we got a spare parking space. You can rent that spare parking space. Oh, to God, yeah. You guys can bank. You can bank. We'll they see how it goes. down by Cowboy Stadium, AT&T Stadium, people just rape you for the fees to park your car i went to a concert at soldier field last week it was 65 dollars just to park there in the arena so it it is insane 
it's insane. It's crazy. Same here. Same here. Like Texas Motor Speedway or or AT and T or the ballpark. They they you get boy, man, you just get screwed. Yeah, you're not even inside the building yet, and you're yeah. already screwed. So exactly. So you gonna sell? Well, I, Is that what you guys are doing? Sorry. Are you going to sell? Are you going to? Uh, in the next few years, it all depends. The more and more they're talking about it, they're talking casinos. They're talking a whole new no. village right across the street. Casino. So no it might get to the point where it's a little too. I, I came here to for a little bit of quiet, and and now that's going to be out the window. So we'll we'll see how it goes. I might that's cash out, move out north, get a and nice a piece of land. And the property so we'll value is going to go up. So just wait. Oh, for and it. the taxes with yeah. it. I'm waiting. A little bit each year. I'm going to be doing some home improvements, remodel the bathroom, the kitchen, the whole thing. So the, the planning starts now. Exactly. Five hundred dollars a night, Airbnb. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> Five hundred bucks a night. Surge charging on weekends. I like it. Yes, service charge for and cleaning charge. I mean, every time I go to one, we get hit with a hundred dollar cleaning charge every night. Never fails. Oh God, that's that's. I couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> and what about yourself joe what have you been up to um well i got sick again i don't know what the hell it is every six weeks this year it seems i've been i've been catching something this well, one you work feels in like the public so that's that's probably it uh, this one feels like a sinus infection again uh besides that i um i've been uh i started my my uh halloween viewing early this year i uh, noticed i've got your list because I just, yeah, I, I took the 20. I've been waiting 20, every year for three years now for your list to come out. <laughs> I, I, well, I didn't realize that, uh, I didn't know about the Horror Hound watch list until last year. So what I did this year is I took their 2020 list. And it's always it's always 31 days uh, because it's, it's a, a movie for every day in October. But day 31 is always go watch Trick or Treat. Right. So I could, I, I could cut that out because I'm going to watch Trick or Treat on the 31st uh, of October. So I basically took the 30 day, the first 30 days of October 2020, applied them to September, and I've been doing that just to kind of get myself in the spirit early. So I've been watching stuff uh, kind of early. Um, and last night, I actually, like, watched this one that was called The Phantom of Hollywood because I was watching a mass killer movie, and I'm trying to watch stuff I never watched before. And this one was filmed on the MGM lot right when they were about to tear it down so you have all so it's this this mass killer on the mgm lot killing people that are trying to destroy the lot and trying to sell the lot but it's weird because they, they keep cutting from like the decaying set in the in the modern day to like a shot of like uh, an mgm movie where like the set is in all its glory and it's just like it, like i was watching it i'm like the story is kind of standard but i'm like it's basically Phantom of the Opera, but I'm watching this going, oh my God, here's the set from this movie and it's just turned to shit and it, you can see it falling apart. That's the part that intrigued me watching it. Is it better than Grizzly 2? Grizzly 2. Grizzly 2 is the most unwatchable one yet. No, I probably watched a few very unwatchables that I just could not get through. Have you ever just given up? it's just not possible it's just like i can do it i can do it and it's like about well, 30 minutes into it it's like fuck it i can't do it i just get up finish this movie there was a there was a movie that sean and i tried to watch like a year or two ago because uh joe estevez is in it robert zadar is in it malcolm mcdowell is in it 
So it's two, two friends of ours and, you know, a, a couple of other cast members that we liked. And I remember, and I remember just being like, we can't, like, I cannot do this. I, I, well, don't I think I fell asleep. I, the, you, you, you kept on turning to me. It's like, I can't do this. And you kept on waking me up while we were doing it. So. That's yeah, really you, bad. You, that's not a good You passed time. out on the couch. That's, so that's, like, that's yeah, a good, is... that's my usual barometer. It's either I check my watch to see how long I have left to sit there or I fall asleep. That's the barometer of how I know when a movie is bad and has lost me. But I have walked out on a movie or two. I've walked uh, in the theaters. I think I walked out on Pixels. I walked out on oh, Pixels. I, well, I, no, I had a grandchild and we had to watch Pixels. I, I walked out on Pixels and I walked out on Resident Evil 4. Uh, but that was only because they marketed the movie on uh, an army of uh, like 100 Mila Jovoviches versus uh, an army of zombies. And they completely... <laughs> And they killed off all the Emilio Jovovich's, spoiler warning, sorry, but uh, they kill off all the Emilio Jovovich's in the first 10 minutes of the movie and uh, take away all of her powers, kind of retconning everything oh, they had done up until that annoying. point. And that I'm like, well, you just, you just eliminated everything I, I like the about these movies. The next one was better. The next one was better. Okay. Yeah. I, re I remember a movie in like the early 2000s called The Godsend. Uh, it was a, a horror movie with Robert De Niro. And I remember being so bored by that. I was there with my girlfriend. I went out to the concessions to, to, to get uh, to get popcorn or something. And I just stood in the arcade and just played at the arcade for the rest of the night. And my girlfriend you left came your out girlfriend so, in there by herself. I know I'm such a prick. Did you at least give her some fucking popcorn? <laughs> I'm such a piece of shit for that one. And Please Joe wonders why he is single today. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> We're learning why. It's like, oh fuck this movie. <laughs> he really is a nice guy, ladies. Mm. He's learned his lesson. I have to consider. <laughs> I never, I never walked out in the movie, but I have sat in some movies. Uh, my ex is really into Kevin Costner movies, so we had to go see every single one for a while, like Waterworld and Dance I of the Wolves. Do, I, I did do Waterworld. I watched it. I got and it. I just remember, and, and Dance of the Wolves. I mean, it was beautifully shot. But I was really bored, and I'm, I'm spending every five minutes going, "How much longer is this one's going? Shut up, shut up!" Like, every like five minutes, how much longer? <laughs> I can watch it just once. I can't watch it more than. More than the one time. Waterworld. I mean, he got really angry with me because I I was laughing all the way through it, and then and he and he I just remember leaving, and he's like storming down the street going, "You ruined that Kevin Costner film for me." Like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I can imagine you probably Waterworld. did. <laughs> so, but, but I've actually never walked out of anything. If I, if I'm watching it on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever, I have a habit of fast forwarding sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Let's see what, it's good parts. I think yeah. that was uh, Feast 2. I found Feast myself two? just going, yeah, Feast just two. skip ahead a little. You didn't the like first it? Was so good. And then I watched the second one the next night. And I'm like, oh my God, this is such a good The first one was freaking awesome. It really was. The first one's amazing. I oh, think the, I've done the, that with all the all the Hellraiser uh, sequels. <laughs> I was <just> like, hmm. <laughs> Don and I have been talking we about just saw a good one. I haven't seen all of them. But, you haven't seen yeah. all, uh, what's we, the, we just saw the last one that was uh, straight to uh, straight to Tubi. I think it wasn't even straight to DVD. That's the only place I've been able to find it. Oh, uh, that one with Heather Logging Camp. I think so. Yeah, they went in a different direction. They had like a different mm -hmm. sect of the, of the Cenobites. This guy that made you mm -hmm. recount all of your sins. It was very interesting. It was a different way to go with it. But I, I, I figure oh. after all this time, you got to switch it up. I just remember looking at Helen Lonergan going, God, how old are you, woman? <laughs> like, she looked really <laughs> old. 
Yeah, Heather Lollygap, um, Nightmare on Elm Street one and Nancy, three, and the yeah, the, and, the Nancy. new nightmares. Because I, I used to, know, I used to, I actually used to know her because I did a show called Annie, and she was my dance partner. And then she went, she went off in the middle of it and said she's gonna go film a film. We're like, yeah, right. It was Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> wow. I had to I, turn it off. I, it. We, we were watching the Willies the other night, and that one Sean passed out, and I was just like, "What the fuck? This movie's awful." That well, was a had, terrible one. That was part of the list. I had to find a horror movie with a search a horror movie with my name in it, and uh, Sean Astin horror movies came up. Right? So we we chose the Willies. <laughs> I think it was like a fun that. kids movie, and it was just terrible. It had donkey lips from Salute Your Shorts. So I'm like, ah, oh, okay, this is taking me back to my to my to my childhood. Why not? We'll give it a shot. I think it was Pumpkinhead Four. I couldn't get through the other night ago. I've never right. seen the sequels. And I love Pumpkinhead. I love mm-hmm. the first one. I've never seen the sequels. Never saw the sequels either. Two was all I right. Know. I think I, 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 I think I've seen four. the second one. I couldn't get through four. I, I didn't see. I haven't seen three. So I. Linnea is in the sequel. I th- Linnea is in the in part two, right? Linnea Quigley. Uh, I she was part. Bro. one. she the first? One? I think she might have been in part two. But as far as uh, other movies, I like I abs- the the remake of The Fog from two thousand five. I passed out in my seat in the movie. No, theater. that was awful. Two thousand five oh, Fog. I just couldn't. I watched it all, but it was very disappointing. Here. Well, that was part of that two thousand blend of like let's remake up some classics, and none of them were ever any good, were they? <laughs> I think it's like I avoid twenty twenty the whole fucking year. I'm trying really hard to stick my toe in the water, but something about twenty twenty films, I can't. If I says twenty twenty. I just won't. I won't buy. I just bypass it. I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there've been there've been a couple of horror films that I've watched that basically I have difficulty sitting through only because they kind of disturb me in a weird way. Which one of them is called Agony with Michael Lerner and Zelda Rubinstein. Yep, I don't know it. what it is about that movie, but for some reason it makes me feel really unsettled. Really? So, well, Ag- if it makes you unsettled, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, that's that's what I, I was gotta just look if it doesn't bother if it bothers yeah. you. It's all, I mean, basically, it's Zelda. It's it's a movie within a movie sort of thing. And right. it's 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 quite good, actually. I mean, I do have a copy upstairs. I did buy a, bought a Spanish version of it um, because I couldn't find a, a an American or an English version of it. But, but every, you know, I do bring it out like every couple of years, see if I can sit through it all the way through. And I still feel very uncomfortable with it. I don't know what it is. So I'm trying to find so, it now. Someone with Ozzy Argento and Franco Nero called Agony. What year did this come out? Agony came out in the late 80s. Really? I mean, Zelda, okay. uh, just look up Zelda Rubenstein. It's probably under it's probably best to look up her because she didn't do too many after Poltergeist, did she? So oh the little short lady, yeah. Yeah. And Michael Lerner. Weird, we, we, we were weirded out because we, uh, Sean and I were watching National Lampoon's Last Resort and I'd forgotten that Zelda Rubenstein is in that. <laughs> was she in that? <laughs> I just oh, yeah. watched it with you. I forgot she was in it. She was in that movie? She uh, When they were doing the uh, the, the, the game show. Uh, oh, yeah. The- she was the host of the game show at the end. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Zelda but she didn't live too long making- after that, did she? Zelda Rubenstein <laughs> making dick jokes. It's like, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> That's like your grandmother cussing. Kind of. That's the movie we we uh, we have a theory. It's our theory that it might be a rum movie, allegedly. Yeah, well, it's a, yeah, a, ta- a tax write-off. A tax write-off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even the, the character's name is Captain Morgan. 
there's a lot of Bacardi ads all over the place. It's just one of those things we're yeah, looking at. Yeah, Corey Hayes has a Bacardi tattoo on his arm. It's the Bacardi logo. And it was filmed <laughs> on the Cayman Islands. I was like, this is this, this is, is a movie made with rum money. Mm. Rum money. Uh, the, name of the, the name of the movie is not Agony. It's called Anguish from 1987. Ah, okay. Anguish. Okay. So, I'm, I'm looking that one up. Yeah, there it is. Is it a so? It's not a Soviet film. No, it's a Spanish-produced horror film directed by Bigness Luna. So it's interesting. I highly recommend it, but it just kind of <clears throat> makes me feel unsettled for some reason. I don't know what it is. I already had it on my watch list. I already had it on my to-watch list, and I don't know why. If if I clicked it because of somebody else, but yeah, or maybe somebody else recommended it to me. I'll I'll try to find it. Well, yeah, I remember going right. to the movies. I remember going to the movies and think like because it said Michael Lerner in it, right? And I thought. What's the mother of the Waltons doing in this horror film? And it's not her, it's the other Michael Lerner. <laughs> it's like, oh, Mama Walton's in a horror film. I'm going to watch this. Oh, that's the other Michael Lerner. <laughs> it's Barton Fink, Mar- Michael Lerner. So, <laughs> but what about yourself, Vix? What have you been up to? Not a whole lot since I talked to you last. <clears throat> uh, I have to Well, my daughter moved to another place, so. Try, and she's got her uh, nursing degree, so we're trying to get her over the finishing line, you know. She doesn't got much longer, so it's going to keep me busy. going to be back and forth a lot. Um, just kind of laying low lately. We haven't been really doing a whole lot. But I did, I've been keeping up with uh, House of Dragons and Ring of Power. Rings of Power? Ring of Power? Is it Rings of Power? Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, I've got to finish watching the last 20 minutes of it, but I was finally catching Moonfall. Because I just have to. I like those kind of apocalyptic movies. And I was kind of laughing because I really was reading something about these mega structures and you know how the conspiracy theorists think the moon is a satellite and all that. So I kind of, I, and I like the guy was in Game of Thrones. You know, the little, the little, the, the chubby guy from Game of Thrones that was with Jon Snow on the wall and all that. What is his name? Oh, uh-huh. He was in this, and I just love him. I don't know why he's a complete nerd, but I completely love his. Oh, acting. he's the nerdy scientist in it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I love him. <laughs> I don't know why I love him. I loved him on Game of Thrones, and uh, you know what? I, I mean, I've seen like Twitter and all this stuff. You know how people are like politically just crazed. Have you ever been on a Game of Thrones website and accidentally asked the wrong question? You're, <laughs> I mean, have you, that is like that is like a suicide. <laughs> Social media suicide. I have never seen so many vicious people in my life, uh, except they're on the Game of Thrones website. So I don't really very passionate. When they're very passionate. Uh, <laughs> they're very passionate about their subject. I don't well, know if I, get I, any of this shit from the Yellowstone people. <laughs> Well, I, I, know, I know that there are lines being drawn now between the Lord of the Rings series on Amazon and the Game of Thrones on HBO. I love on them HBO both. Max, I watch but as there a, seems as, to be like there seems to be two camps setting up, and they're like going at war at the moment. And it's like, okay, you're starting saying, to see it. It's like, I like both of them. I'm going to watch both of them. I, I really did like. I think that they're going to do um, just not. They're going to do the Targaryens, but then they're going to do the the King of Serpents, or the, I guess they're going to do all the families. And all of their collective histories for Game of Thrones. I thought that was kind of interesting because I didn't know that's what they were doing with it. Because we Milk all know the Targaryens end up. Milk that stuff. franchise. Uh, oh, yeah. We're Milk that to franchise. It. Well, they, they fucked us over <laughs> season eight for Game of Thrones. So I'm kind of hoping. Well, that's, be- well, that's because. 
That's because the people that were doing Game of Thrones got offered a contract through Disney to do to do the new Star Wars franchise. Possibly, so possibly. that's what happened there. So they had that, so so they had to finish up their contract so they could start that. So that's what happened there. Well, I don't know. I, I'm enjoying it. I, we all know that the Targaryens don't last. So I mean, it's just interesting to see where this is going to go. But I started watching some of Joe's list. I'm trying to work on. And I've noticed Tubi's got all the old black and whites on there now, like the, the the Dracula and all that other good stuff. So all the good old black and whites are on. So I enjoy those this time of year. I know Peacock is going to be put, if, they, if it's not up there already, I see they're advertising that they're going to be doing the Universal Monsters this year. Oh, they are. I haven't seen the ad for so it. That'll be, that'll be cool. And, and they're doing cool. Halloween Kills is going in the same day. It's going into theaters. So that's... The, the, just, the, it's going on, not Peacock, but HBO. Um, no, Peacock. Halloween Kills is going Peacock. on Peacock the same yeah. day it goes into theaters. Cool. So yeah, when you see the, uh, the the how how badly Peacock was doing in the numbers, you kind of understand why they're trying to push it. I, I just got offered a dollar ninety nine a month. I was reading an article this morning how this is all <laughs> going to kill theater completely. Going to the I mean, cinema. Possibly. I mean, people are only going to the movies for event movies now. Such as Top like Gun, Marvel movies and stuff like Marvel. that. Top Gun's kind of the anomaly in it because it's the one blockbuster that hasn't really been connected to anything going now. But right. and it made seven hundred million or I think it I think it just crossed seven hundred million. It made million. a ridiculous amount yeah. of money. And it's still I think it's it's still going until uh, they pull it fully, but it's well, it's uh, out of prime now for twenty bucks. On, for, yeah, I'm it's not on, paying twenty on demand. bucks to see anything. I just refuse. Well, I mean, for 20 bucks, you might as well buy the Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm waiting yeah. for the Blu-ray if I'm going to get it. Yeah. So. I mean, you also got to... talked to said they loved it. I've not... But you also like... got to remember, going to the cinema is a very expensive venture, yes. not like it used to be. So, no, it's ridiculous. you know, the no. thing is, is like, so if you're going to go see a movie, you know, before, I remember like, you know, going to see, pay five, five to eight bucks, depending on what year I was going. And right. if it was a bad movie, it's like, okay, I've lost five to eight bucks. Here it's like twenty five pounds to go to a movie now. Oh jeez! So it's well, like when I was you know, back so... home visiting, they charged yeah. me almost thirty dollars for me and Asher two bottles of water and Skittles and a thing of popcorn. I just about shit. And then it was twenty five dollars mm-hmm. for me and him to get into the matinee. So it cost me almost sixty dollars to take this kid to go see the Minions movie. And when we were, mm-hmm. I was home, and I asked him why is it so expensive? He goes, Well, you're in New York now. And it's just like, well, I just grew up here, dickhead. But I've never paid this much money to go see a film ever mm-hmm. in Watertown, New York, you know. But when you look at when you look at the prices, it's like the thing is, is like you don't really want to spend a gamble on something that might not be great. So at least, you know, for an event movie, like, you know, like Jurassic Park Dominion, let's say, you know, it's not going to be great. But at the same time, at least, you know, you probably will be entertained somewhat. Right, sort of right. I did yeah. finally see the new Jurassic Park. And I'm going to, I, as much as I love this franchise, I was so disappointed. There we go. Just a, just a smidge. I, I mm. liked it because it was because of its stupidity. Like well, that, I that, loved that's it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I guess I was expecting it. something else. I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the wonderment I saw when I first saw the first one in 91, 92, you know. Oh, well, this is I mean, not be anywhere near as good as Spielberg. And you got to remember, I mean, the Jurassic Park, when they got Chris Pratt in it, Chris Pratt is the king of stupidity, and that's what makes it so endearing. Oh, Chris Pratt, back off. 
<laughs> no, Chris That's Pratt is no Chris. Uh, Chris Pratt is great, but he's good at the stupidity thing. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy works because of his. Oh, stupidity. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. And Don't eat and, it. and the same character is in Jurassic Park. I mean, it's the same character as Guardians of the Galaxy is in Jurassic Park. It's not a. It's not a huge jump leap for him as far as character building, is it? No, I think <laughs> you're right. Not at all. No. So, and that's what makes him endearing because he's great at those parts. Yeah. Now, if you yeah. now if you see him in something that's a bit more dramatic, it, he doesn't shine as well. Right. So, like, uh, it's an Amazon series. I think he's I in haven't seen it yet. Like, yeah, I was just going to say the is he the in a seal. Series? Yeah, he's, I think he plays a seal. Uh, I saw a lot of people complaining oh, about I it online, I I, but I haven't seen I haven't the show seen yet. yet. I, seen I, I don't either. know how he's in that, but that seems to be yeah. something a little more dramatic for him. Yeah. Yeah. And well, people are complaining. The next day, he's about a war, war of tomorrow or something. I watched it. Why can't I remember the title? Oh, the one but with Jennifer a, Lawrence. Yeah, no. No, it's yeah. about when people, they send their people back into time because they need their children to fight a battle. Because they don't uh, have enough people in the future to fight said battle. That one's uh, straight to Amazon, right? I think I yeah. saw yeah. I saw a preview for it, but yeah, it's I actually what it's a called. good movie. Is it good? Movie? Okay, it's gonna bug me now. But <laughs> hey, what's going on over? In, well, we all know it's going on over in the UK. Keith, what's going on with you? Well, we are mourning our beloved queen at the moment, but um, but the good thing is we're getting a day off. Yay! <laughs> Priorities. Yeah. I mean, at the moment, we're wearing our, you know, at work, we're wearing our black ribbons and stuff. I guess we're wearing those for the next three weeks. And um, outside of that, um, the NHS here is in a dire crisis. We're in shortage of doctors and nurses and administration. So basically, we're just flopping around like dead fish on the dry land. But um people are just leaving medical care they no longer want to work in medical care they said well the thing is the patients are, are they horrible. forcing them to get the clot shot or something over there no no it's nothing to do with, nothing, no it has nothing to do with that i mean we we operate on a free health care system here which is a good thing but at the what same time it, it does come through with a lot of problems i mean our hospital at the moment is 40 million in debt and we got 40 million in debt within two months so things have been kind of crazy last few years though but but it has it has not much to do that i mean there's a problem with management and all that other stuff but the problem basically is like you know i get patients who said they found they found me on facebook they're coming to my house and kill me i mean i get they threaten me every day well i know but i mean were you nice to them keith when you saw them (laughs) no it's it's not no it's not that it's just that people feel that they're entitled to what they you know they google things it's like oh i got a bump on my knuckle so they google it and then all of a sudden they think that they need like you know a thousand pounds a hundred thousand pounds worth of services and it's like well no you just have an ingrown hair on your knuckle but um you know but you know there's a lot of problems and things like that and another thing is this you know it's you know the money doesn't go to the medical staff or the staff who are doing the work it seems to be going to management when i first started 28 years ago at this hospital i mean i had one manager i got 12 now so that sucks. I'm sorry. But you know, it's working, you know, it's working through there. And you know, what I do is you know just try to be as nice to the patients as possible and see where you go. So <laughs> but so yeah, besides that, that's a bit stressful. But other than that, um, started watching Yellowstone, really into it. I have to say it's Yay! one of the most phenomenal series I watch. <laughs> um, when people at, when everyone at work is starting to watch it now, um, when they ask me what it's like, I say it's Dallas through the through the lens of breaking bad. So, it is, it so, is. Uh, 
How well, I have to there say it's got probably <laughs> some of the greatest acting going on in it. I'm really impressed with the acting in it, yeah. and you just can't stop watching it. You just start yeah. watching it, and you and you just you just. And Kevin Costner is brilliant. I mean, I'm not he a is. Kevin. He's great. I mean, I, I have him. a habit of like when when I'm going out with someone for a while, everything they like, I tend to hate, and then when we break up, I tend to like them afterwards. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> But um, but no, he. I mean, I have to there say the old the old geezer's aging very very well. So what is he's, he's like he's in his sixties? We're not that. I'm not that far behind him, so I'm not going to insult. Well, him. I mean, but I mean, I think you're 82, aren't you, Vix? Yeah, easy. Yeah, so. 82 actually, is the new 32. I don't think Costner's in his sixties. I think Costner might be I in his he like is. late seventies. No, is he's he? 60, I he's no, he, in his 60s. I think he's he's 60, 67 at the moment. All right, so late sixties. I thought, oh, wait, he did, but he, I thought he was around a lot longer than he was. That movie was the Tomorrow War before I forget. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. the Tomorrow War. Well, I, I mean, he's been around since the 80s. I mean, what was his first big movie? No Way Out, wasn't it? No, wasn't um, it? Wait, 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 wait. No, he was in Silverado, but he wasn't was fa- full Fandango? Was he in uh, Fandango or one of those films as well? Yeah. I'm trying uh, to think. Well, you know, he was his first part was in The Big Chill. He was the dead guy. Yeah, well, we got to, we got to see his wrist and we and his leg because well, we the pant legs being lapel. pulled down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and his hair being brushed and very close up. I don't know. I love that that done. Like I always tell you, she's my spirit animal. I love that woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's just fantastic. she's. I mean, she's English actually. Yeah, I've watched and, her just about all of her stuff. She was in Britannia, and I love that show. I think they did one more season of it this year. But she and wasn't Black Mirror, she did. And if you're into horror films, she did a a British horror film called Eden Lake, which she's very good in. She's, I love her. She's just an excellent actress. She's such a, she's such a bitch, but she's a lovable bitch. You just gotta love her in the series. I, I watch it because of her and Rep, basically. Mm, I think, I mean, I had said to say, I think the whole cast is brilliant. I really, my hat's off to them. So, that's so great. other than that, that's pretty much it outside of, you know, watching this and that and stuff for here and sorting out Season seven already, even though we just started season six. So season You're seven. You're not Christmas up. shopping yet. I saw Christmas trees up at my stores. It's just like I felt like just taking a semi. It's, it's September. Like shooting all the trees. Like come it's on. September. What I know. Season? I got a feeling it's going to be a lean Christmas this year for it's everyone. It's going to be a really lean Christmas <laughs> yeah. this year. We're, we're going back to Little House in the Prairie. We'll be making our gifts for each other. Well, I, yeah, actually, I thought about, I actually thought, other than the children, let's more. just pull names or something or just say, fuck it. Just... Whoever says that means more, that's what poor people say to each other. Yes. We all want present. <laughs> that that's on, that's on par with going, oh, I got a blind date. They're really nice. They're like, oh, they're nice. There's nothing I hate blind dates. I'm so glad I'm over. I don't have to do that anymore. Blind dates suck, man. Because they didn't have that phone shit going on when I was, you know, doing that dating thing. And I mean, you got when you were stuck with some serious shit because you had no clue what you were walking into. And that oh, even even with the apps, it's like (laughs) I'm sorry, Vic. So even with the apps, by the time you get through the filters and the person shows up, you're like, who the hell is this? So it hasn't really changed. Oh my, that's true. I know. Oh my God, the filters. Like you know that they're not going to know who you are. I don't understand why they do Uh it. I I actually went on a date with a woman I met on Hinge a couple of years ago. 
And I remember one, one of her comments immediately was, oh, thank God, you actually look like your picture. And I'm like, is this really something that people do? Like, they, like what's the point? Because the person's going to see you. Like, yeah. what well, is it's like, like an older photo. So I know, why lie? Yeah, so- why lie? There's yeah. no amount of makeup or Botox that's going to cover that shit up. I don't care who you are. It's not. I think, I think, I think what you should do is send the worst pictures of yourself out there. So that way, if you happen to meet, they're pleasantly surprised and then horribly disappointed. <laughs> it's yeah, the five, 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 get it over. Just set the five o'clock in the morning face. Yeah. yeah. Get her done quick. You know, <laughs> if, if they can handle what you look like at 5 a.m., then they can hang. Yeah. <laughs> it's mate for life. brings us to Batman the Animated Series. In the first episode, we're going to be covering is called Leather Wings, which is a mysterious bat-like creature starts terrorizing Gotham City, and the Cape Crusader must solve the mystery to clear his name. So starting with you, Vix, what are your thoughts of, on Leather Wings? I all the wrong episodes. Is this the one where the, the toxic... This is the only one that you watch that you're supposed to watch, so you I should know. know what this one is. I'm trying to remember. I, I did it in order of HBO, episode one, two, three, four, season. You didn't tell me until I got this yesterday. Oh, HBO Max. They got a lot of issues right now, so it's understandable if they got the issues. Oh, really? Well, I thought, order. well, when you see something says season, and then you got episode one, episode two, episode, that's what I got to. Whoop, I forgot what episode it was. I go, oh, this is the one where Paul Dini's starting to come into it i think it was this episode but i'm trying to remember get me started because i can't remember now is mm. that the man was, bat. The bat this is the, the, bat. the one where the batman goes after the man bat the man bat yes mm-hmm. well i watched all the wrong episodes as we all know this is virgin territory for me i haven't had too many virgin anything in my life in the last 20 years so i'm last, gonna have last 50 years <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to have to rewatch. I should have, if I had an extra hour, I would have watched all these puppies. I don't know. I'm really enjoying all these. The ones I did watch, I didn't think I was going to like it. And at first I was kind of afraid to watch these with Asher in the house, but they aren't that bad. And I guess he could actually watch them with me because I saw him like over his right shoulder. Um, I don't, I think they got Bruce Wayne kind of goofy in these. Is it just me or is it, is he kind of goofy? He's kind of, uh, Reminds me of uh, Michael. Uh, who did the first Batman? Adam, Michael oh, Keaton. Michael Keaton. But, yeah, uh, Keaton. He kind of reminds West. me of Michael Keaton in a way in, in, in just these is, cartoons. And how because he's kind of a goofy, rich guy that really. Yeah. 
he knows what's going on with all this. I mean, he's really smart scientifically and he knows what's going on. He knows how to, I guess he's got a major idea on how to catch the big, you know, bat guy there, the big ears and everything. But he doesn't, he's, he's very smart as the Cape Crusader, but in his real life, he's kind of like Clark Kent, the Clark Kent to the Batman. Joe and I yeah. were talking about that. We, we were both kind of noticing when he is the Batman, his voice is has it's these, different. It's the same, though, when he speaks to Robin or when he speaks to Alfred alone, when he, ha he has to be in public, he's kind of putting on the mask of being Bruce Wayne. It's almost as if like Bruce Wayne, that the actual Bruce Wayne billionaire, that's that's the mask he has to really wear when he has to go out in public and play that role. That's how I interpreted it. And yeah, because I'm well, yeah. because I'm new to it, I'm just wondering if it's just picking your brains a little bit. But I mean, yeah. he looks like the Batman of old, kind of, sort of, except, yeah. you know, without the the West, you know, regalia from the original series from the 60s. Um, <clears throat> but I'm just wondering, I mean, I guess it's the tights or whatever. I was, I kind of like the battle armor Batman better, you know, I'm kind of wishing they would lose the underwear and give him battle armor Batman. <laughs> I don't think well, I think, to that point. Well, it, 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 I don't know why, but it, it, it diverts well, my attention. <laughs> well, I, th I, th I, I no, no, I think. Well, I think what you need to realize is with the animated series is the reason why his outfit is the way it is in the animated series is that this is the first animated series that basically they're not shooting against a white background. They're using black construction paper and everything's black. And right. this is this is this is the beginning of noir art deco, which is what right. this is this format's being used at. So in order for him for, for in order for him to show up, they have to kind of um shadow him and layer him in colors that will go against this black background. No Otherwise, kidding. he'd just be a pair of eyes if you're not careful, sort of thing. Right. And, well, I mean, he is, he is like he is, he is that's all you see in a lot of it. It's just dark and he's got his eyes. Like I got stuck mm -hmm. in with the uh I watched all the Catwoman, the first two Catwomen once by accident. And I really enjoyed them. I mean, <clears throat> I'm gonna watch these when we get off here because it's gonna drive me nuts now. But mm -hmm. uh just just the way that I mean they're almost like the original bad guys were you know they, they keep kind of to the same script of the story like mr freeze or whoever you know but i never saw this one before uh, the, bat, the other but, bat guy but, um, but another thing i think another thing is that on leather wings and these first four episodes that you're viewing basically this is gonna this is the beginning of the template of what batman the animated series is and what right. we got in, and what we got in leather wings is basically is you know, we got the creature of the month or the, the villain right. of the week. Well, sort it shows of thing. Batman does have a heart too, because he could have turned everybody in. He doesn't do it. He understands. Well, and this is and this is where Batman, the comic series, and Batman the animated series has it totally right against the movie series. Because the thing is, Batman's code of honor and everything about Batman is that he does not kill anyone. He's never wow. killed anyone. And of course, when we get later on, we're going to get into what happens when one of the Robins gets murdered. Right. Um, and um, and then we find out, you know, where Batman finally has to take a life, which actually happens quite a few quite a few episodes on, which actually happens in a, uh, one of the movies that we'll be covering that tie into this animated series. But Batman but Batman has never murdered anyone. That's his right. code of conduct. I know the movies kind of play it a little bit different because that's like every villain tends to die by the end of all his movies. But or they that, end but, up in jail. They don't all die. Well, but, but that's against Batman's code of honor sort of thing. The, now, the, the thing is, is... They all got killed. 
in in the Nolan series they didn't. Can you repeat that? I didn't hear you. I said in the Burton series they would get killed. In the in the Nolan series they he would capture them and get them in prison. Well, didn't Mister Freeze end up in jail? He didn't die, did he? He ended up in jail, and they let him continue his experiments too. I think that's how it ended. But then he no, that's how he escaped, didn't he? The ending of that movie. Well, the ending, uh, Ivy was sitting under some like red lamp or something, and they let him be in the uh, in the prison in his suit. And I think, and I think Batman even said, "Hey, we'll we'll let you continue your research to on like trying to find a, a cure for your wife, or maybe we can use your research to help find a cure for your wife." And but he was in his actual suit, which was weird because he needs still needs diamonds right. to get that to work. But I haven't seen that movie in a long time. It's a once well, a year watch for me. It's it's a, yeah. one of those bad movies you got to watch once a year. Yeah, I mean, um, Joker dies. In right. both in both in both versions, um, right. which we'll cover next week in the make remakes episode. No, we know we won't cover Joker in the, the remake. Um, I think uh, Penguin dies, gets killed in the, the Penguin Burton does one. Die. He does Penguin. Yeah, because he goes and floats down into his iceberg frozen river. But this was thing. the first of its kind, though, correct? <laughs> he got marched oh. by the penguins into the into the into the motion. Yeah, the, uh, um, Christopher this Walken gets killed as well. For- Back Shrek, and then um, and then the other ones they get a bit hazy when he goes to Schumacher, um, a little bit. Riddler does not die. Riddler is Riddler ends up in prison saying he's the Batman. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Two Face dies. He falls down into the uh, into the uh, into the abyss, Mm. onto like spiky jagged rocks and whatnot, and Mm. yeah, that's the end. uh, Oh yeah, Bane gets turned back into a. A scrawny guy, I think, at the end. Yeah. Batman and Robin. And in the Nolan, in the Nolan films, I think Scarecrow <laughs> doesn't die, but Joker no, dies in the second one. I don't think Joker doesn't die. Joker ends up in prison. He ends up in prison. Oh, he's in a prison. No okay. Two Face, Two Face dies. The only. The only reference of uh, the Joker is in the novelization of The Dark Knight Rises. He's apparently in the deepest, darkest cell of Arkham. Maybe they hear the Joker's laughter in that in like some area of our Arkham. That's the only reference that we ever got to whatever happened to him. But in I mean, of course, with I mean, there there probably would have been he probably would have been in the third installment of Nolan if Chris, yeah. Um, yeah. if Heath Ledger didn't die. So I mean, maybe there might have been plans to bring him back at some point. I think he did bring back Scarecrow and Joker, stuff like that. So. Yeah. For yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because that, if that you remember, because you remember, they did bring Scarecrow back for the second one, didn't they? Right. And, yeah. Briefly in the beginning, yeah. yeah. And the Scarecrow's in the third too. He's the uh, judge. He was the one reoccurring character. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's oh. right. He shows up as when they're doing the little the little underground kangaroo court. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. This this is why yeah. I this is why we were discussing Batman. I was like, yeah, Sean should jump in on this because Sean's my go-to for anything Batman related. I, I've been watching Batman related stuff uh, since I was two years old. Is early flickers of memories or me sitting in front of the TV <laughs> watching Adam West reruns. So it's uh, good old Adam West. Good old Adam West. I have to sit there and say if you're an Adam West Batman, you gotta buy the blues Blu-ray series of that. I, yeah, I have it. Oh, it's fantastic. fantastic. Is it good? <laughs> we, oh, we, the, we were the going colors, through season the, three. the brightness of it. Oh, God, it's I'm, so great. I mean, unfortunately, the Batman mask is a bit 
too clear so so his eyebrows kind of look like divine the eyebrows but- like, i can't imagine that being perfectly clear i don't know if i can handle <laughs> the animals but but as they're saying the colors and everything are just phenomenal i mean it just like pops and the whole thing just pops so i, but I thought you were telling the me the blu-ray was too strong for this particular series or was that something well, else you were talking about where you could have, see everything and it got no the bat the batman these, animated these Romero's mustache under the makeup yeah. You can see that though when it was Cesar Romero's in the mustache. Of it, yeah, Cesar yeah. Romero's mustache, you can see clearly through the. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't he a great joker though? I mean, that, yes, but, absolutely. But I also, I also think you need to remember that when these shows aired originally in the 60s, yeah. you have to remember that people's um, reception to watch these shows wasn't clear. You know what I mean? He's kind of like, oh, yeah, the rabbit ears and everything like this. And it's very That's rare they got a cool That's picture. That's true. I forget. You know, you know, whether, you know, even when you saw Bewitched. I think it was I mean, like the first show to use those over. angles, you know, like the side angles and the pow pop stuff, you know, mm-hmm. bam. Maybe the first TV show to do it. Yeah, possibly. They? Yeah. I think they were. Yeah, well, yeah, because, I mean, they're, you know, they were giving a, a camp nod to the comic books at that time. because so the comic books in the late 50s early 60s did have the pow and then everything when they were fighting didn't they in the in the comic books when they had the fights or did i i think they came before i think that was before the the tv series that they started having those in they weren't in the original series of course the original comic book series but they would later make it a emergence in the 60s you know but another another thing you have to remember the 60s program of batman was also a way to advertise color television as well yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. I remember watching them when I was little. Because if if you if you look at any ads from the time that Batman first starts in the first episode onwards, it goes Batman in living color, in color, you know, and that was like a huge, um, a huge selling point for Batman. And it was a huge selling point to sell color TVs because it was on NBC as well, wasn't it? I think. It was on, or ABC. It was on ABC. I think it was ABC. I I, ABC. Yes, it was an ABC property that ended up getting owned by Fox, even though it's a Warner property. How did Fox get to own a, everything? They yeah. own everything. <laughs> it's like, stop mm-hmm. buying everything. God. It was a weird thing. I just remember that the, the Adam West rights specifically could not be used in so many things. For, and then as soon as they got the rights and were able to, every video game, comic book, car, animated movie, it, it, they were doing something related to Batman 66. And they were picking up, is it right after if the show was still going on? And there was a, there's a whole series based on it. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it uh, led to a great, a lot of moments of Adam West Saying a lot of weird lines as as Batman in the in a Batman video game. So and we got those two cool uh, features, uh, like cartoon features that came out like about William a decade Shatner ago. Adam West, Adam West and Bill yes. Ward doing the voiceovers for Batman and Robin. William Shatner is Two Face. Those they were brought fun. back Julie Newmar too to play Catwoman. Julie right. Newmar was Catwoman again. Yeah, yeah, but Eartha Kitt was a great. So oh, Eartha Kitt and yeah. Lee Mayweather. And he was yeah. always in love with he was always in love with with Catwoman. He just never admitted it. Clearly, he's still in love with her in these two because those are the ones I watched. <laughs> <laughs> so, what you all think about this episode? Seeing as I feel so ignorant today and unequipped, it kind of like reminds- yeah. Go ahead, Sean. I'll just say, I for me, it's an interesting dive backing back into the franchise because Man Bat 
for me. I, I, I haven't seen this episode since it originally aired. So I was probably 92. I was probably eight years old at the time when it came out. And when I've been reintroduced to this character, it was in the last decade in the video game, which is basically kind of, it's written by a lot of the same people. And it has a lot of that feel, only it's a lot more mature. So uh, when Dr. Langstrom turns into Man Bat, he kills his wife. And now he's trapped as this bat and he's this rage monster just flying right. around the city. This, obviously, it's a Saturday morning cartoon. You can't go that dark. So it, it, the wife is there to help bring him back, clinging him to I was going to say, because I don't remember the wife dying. No, that, that's the one thing I, I was throwing me off because all these different references. Was I've this, seen was this an early morning series? In, on, yes. Saturday? on Saturday mornings on Fox Fox and Friends or not Fox and Friends yeah it was on Fox, Ki Fox uh, Kids Fox, Fox Kids. Kids yes Fox Fox Saturday morning Fox Kids I used to watch it uh, around X Men and Power Rangers and Bobby's World and all those shows I must be but, a large child because I used to watch all that shit too you're just the serious age one of my kids. <laughs> Uh, well, I still watch that stuff with my kids. Well, Bat Batman, was one those, Batman was one of those anomalies that were that basically parents found themselves w waking up and watching it with their kids. So then they ended up having to repeat it for a time where adults could actually watch this animated program, which was like the it was like the first for that to happen. I want to say it was like history. Sunday nights. It was paired with the. With they the have, so they had a separate yeah. one for kids, and they had a yeah. separate one for adults. Because I didn't know this. I'm learning. No, same same ep same episodes. But right. they would they would show there, and because parents are waking up and watching it, and it was starting to grow this great big cult behind the series, that they would have they would start then they start airing it on Sunday nights for so the adults could watch it because it was the adults were really getting into it because so it was like a bit of an adult swim as well. It was it's just something that basically just caught on. It wasn't meant to do any. It wasn't meant to do anything other than basically. But, they, but you know, the adults were enjoying it as well. The writing well, of these, they specifically kind of wanted to draw a more psychological edge beyond the characters. So it was kind of it was connecting with adults a little bit more than just your typical kids cartoon. It, they were yeah. trying to bring out a little bit more nuance than what you were normally getting, and I think it it, and it, it did connect. Yeah, and if you look at like. You know, and I mean, even the script of this one, I mean, the thing is on on focus is like, okay, here's Batman fighting a villain sort of thing. Right. But when you go into the script of it, it's a lot deeper than what you expect it to be sort of thing. You know, right. you have the, you know, you got, you know, you know, even, but, you know, this is also giving, I mean, this is actually the pilot episode that they were, that, um, when they the the people who were writing it were commissioned to do, they did the the little short of which is the beginning, the opening credits. That's the short that they tried to see what what kind of look we're going to have. And this is the first episode that they were giving money for. And so what they needed to do is they needed to actually show what what this series is going to become. And this is what you got the lot of fragments where Batman is going to heal this person, sort of thing. Right. Um, they did get away with one thing that the show would never get away with again, that Batman does bleed a little bit. He doesn't he never does bleed in any other episodes. Just because this one? they that's true. Well, because there well the was, thing is, is well, it did they hook had, his outfit. I remember, you know, there's a well they had of... they had a they had a constant fight with the censors all the time through the series. And that's the reason why the series ends up ending when it does, because of the constant fighting. And then they went on to Batman Beyond after this, which will probably move into eventually but um but but there was also a constant battle that you couldn't show this you couldn't do that you couldn't say this but you could say this and there's all this kind of 
you know, every single script was like a constant battle for them. But at the same time, you know, they they were winning. And they and I think because of that battle is the reason why we probably have the scripts that we have that are so deep a lot deeper than what you envision them to be. But what you get with on Leather Wings is that basically you do yeah, it's building up you it's building up your secondary characters. We got Detective Bollocks, what's his name is? Bullock. Yeah. Bullock. Bullock. Harvey Harvey Bullock. Harvey Bullock. And so we got him and he's going to be a protagonist. That's the unsavory detective you just don't like. He's the, yeah, the sleazy detective who yeah. actually yeah. is... And the sleazy justi- gumshoe. He's justified <laughs> in everything he does. He's just a jerk. So we have to not like him. Yeah. He's kind so of we, an asshole. He, he is right to a point, though, because yes. why, are, why are we lionizing this vigilante? Why is yeah. he allowed to handle evidence? Why? Uh, no, you're supposed to give it over to the cop. He's no, not a no. cop. Why? No, he's he not a cop. That's like what I thought. It's just like, why is he? He's <laughs> still in the other episode, so I'm assuming he's going to be throughout the whole series. Right? Well, is, yes, he's a re- irregular. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and we also, I, I, we have, don't we also have um, Ramirez as well? Does she pop up in this one? I can't. I don't uh, remember her in this one. I don't remember Ramirez okay. in this one. But um, but what we have is these secondary characters that are quite interesting that basically, you know, they're and the thing is, is what's interesting about the series as you go on is that these characters become more and more. And it's like they're all part of this whole fabric. And they also find out that, you know, there are people who know who Bruce Wayne is, which, you know, is going to become apparent later on that right. he does have he does have friends who have no connection to anything else sort of thing. And. Um, but on leather wings is kind of like a prototype is like, you know, this, this is the beginning point. It's like, you get, you get more of an idea where Com- commissioner Gordon's standing, where he's going to be standing as you, as you go along this series. So it's, that's, what's quite interesting is that the people who put this together, unlike what you were getting with, um, animation at this point is that basically you got monster of the week, um, superheroes fighting them. And then basically whatever changes were going on, that was it. You just went on to another, it was, it was just an episodic. The next one is like nothing ever happened. You know, it doesn't matter if there's any. And what right. you'll find with Batman animated series is start things start linking up a little bit. Yeah, sort of I can see. Well, I've like it. Like I said, I watched different episodes other than this one. And there's, <laughs> there's really literally the next day you wake up and there ain't nothing going on with it. But I can see where it possibly is going to link up in, in, in later episodes. So there's some I mean, another th- world building with also the introduced Harvey Dent. It just in the mm-hmm. background, flipping his coin. They don't really say Harvey Dent. They just say, right. what do you think Harvey? And he's just sitting there mm-hmm. saying one line. He'll mm-hmm. be a big major player down the line, but it is, mm-hmm. there's slight world building going on. Right. Yeah. And it's another thing is, is that they're also with this program. If you notice, there's that you'll see in this episode that you won't see in other episodes. It's the color palette seems to be a bit more earthy, earthy toned, which yeah. doesn't, because they're still trying to work out how to sit there and film a, animated series against a black background because as you got before this never was done before right and that's the, and that, but it's probably the smartest move they ever did so if you notice like the grays are a little bit they're not as gray as they will become later on they're a little everything's a little bit more shaky in this episode as well which they do as as the episodes go on and you see more of a difference especially when you get to like the third or fourth episode we cover that basically they're getting you know they're they're working out this as they're going along as well so aspect to this I mean, script wise i mean like you you can see how how this was um the storytelling in this one was a little darker than than the rest of the episodes get so you can kind of tell that there was that there was a pilot and then everything that came after it uh but yeah go ahead keith we'll, we'll wrap this episode up and move on to the next one 
Uh, well, the only thing else I was going to sit there and say about this episode also is, is that um, you, you also got a good template of what your scripts are going to be from now on in as well, because it's like, you do kind of get a slight tongue in cheek with some of the stuff as well. So, you, but the thing is, I'm more, I'm more repeat viewing. You actually realize there's a lot more tongue in cheek going on than you do when you first watch it as well. I find, which right. is quite interesting. Kind of like an old Lugosi movie. I was kind of thinking about uh, it, it, um, the villain. I mean, it's, it, it kind of takes off of like old forties B movies. You, you have the mad scientist who's experimenting on himself and turns himself into into this Walking, weird creature, which I kind of liked about it. All the beakers, you see his face changing <laughs> in the reflection or in the uh, in the water. It was, yeah, that, that, that's one thing I kind of appreciated. And I remember uh, when, when we watched the Blu-ray, they talked to um, uh, one of the creators and he said that they based it on, uh, they, this was their chance to do a man bat, was their chance to do uh, old, old horror movies. And that kind of appealed to me on this character. But I kind of felt like it was, uh, it was like the, the, um, the combination of Bela Lugosi working on the devil bat and creating that bat and his, uh, Oh, the devil bat. <laughs> and then, okay. and then on the, uh, on the other end, the ape man where he experiments on himself and actually turns himself into an ape. So I kind of, I kind of <laughs> dug that vibe of it. I felt what like was this the was kind of like gorillas back then. Gorillas. That's the other one. I know. Yeah. That, that's something we can get into later on because there was a lot, there were, Sean and I have talked about that. There's a lot of gorillas in horror movies in the 30s and 40s. Oh, God, yes. Because of gorilla mania. Well, we also get um, Alfred's voice is going to be, uh, will change as well because a different actor takes over Alfred as well. Well, at least the Alfred's still a wise ass. I was glad to see that. Oh, he is so catty. I love him in this. He is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I like well, Alfred. Well, Alfred speaking of tight. Alfred, though, it, it, it kind of struck me as odd because since... This is basically, it seemed to me, and maybe it's just the way I remembered it. I thought this series is kind of a jumping off point of the Burton series. Um, I thought, you know, for whatever reason, I wonder why Alfred didn't look like Michael, Michael Goff does in the, uh, the Tim Burton uh, uh, Batman films. It's, it's strange. Cause I, I, I always thought of this as kind of like a side thing for that. Yet Alfred looks nothing like, uh, like Michael Goff does in those movies. It's weird. Well, the thing is also is, is that um, Tim Burton has no co- recollection, but the reason why I think people get confused that Tim Burton does have this is because Danny Elfman does the, the theme music. But saying that, Danny Elfman only does the theme music. The musical, this is one of the only um, animated series that has a full orchestra, and hats off to Shirley Walker on the the um, music for the, this animated series. Oh, it's fantastic. Absolutely yeah, fantastic. Is you know, because she's basically... Um, they've kept that music through just about everything, too, now that I think about it. I mean, that same theme goes through the movies. Yeah. It's a very similar theme, yeah. It's either very similar, it's almost the same. I mean, there's, I mean, as Sean was saying earlier, I mean, this series would spin off some very, very popular computer game series that were are still rated as some of the best computer game series ever, so... And it's funny, the uh, Man Bat, specifically in the most recent Arkham game, I'll say it just in my opinion, the best jump scare I've ever had in a video game is when you're just flying around randomly as Batman, and out of nowhere, Man Bat jumps out of nowhere, Man Bat. And uh, (laughs) it's it's ridiculous, I know, but 
uh, man bat just kind of scares the hell out of you, takes a swipe at you, and flies off. And you have to fly all around the city to try to catch him. But it does kind of set up everything in this episode to what Batman and Bruce Wayne is going to oh, yeah. appear it's... to be for now on. I mean, he's going to be fair no matter what. Except, I, the only... except for the couple of people, you know. Yeah. Let's everybody else not go to prison <laughs> until he gets to Catwoman. But we'll just, we'll just talk about that next week. <laughs> one last thing i just i did notice that there is a shocking similarity to the plot of morbius and uh nice. this episode for this one do you think the way morbius gets sick and then Mor- well morbius was already sick dr langstrom and dr morbius have a similar goal they both recognize that bats are uh that's true used, that's true i could be used that. To, to further the uh, big apparatus of bats in this thing they're yeah. trying to use bats to, to cure illness and disease they see them as the future of mankind and their experiments go wrong and i would have never caught bat. that that's a good catch uh it, it's it, in this i just saw morbius in the last month or so it's burned in my brain i gotta get yeah. it out of there it's burned in there it's on netflix now after i paid for it nobody <laughs> <laughs> should ever have to pay for that movie <laughs> <laughs> i was i wasn't totally hating on it i didn't hate it okay i didn't hate Matt it smith didn't. is great in it oh he's stealing every scene he knows what he's in and he's having fun Smith is fantastic in it. I loved him in this. <laughs> now and the I, voice. I think of... we should release a, a Jared Leto movie uh-huh. every every year on April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Joy. Um, interestingly enough, um, Clive Rebel does the voice of um, Alfred in the next three or four episodes, but then he gets a job somewhere else, and then they bring in um, Zembalist, his name Zembalist Junior. I forgot what his first name Zimbalist. is. Yeah. But interesting enough, Commissioner James Gordon is Bob Hastings from Hogwarts Heroes. It is. Who would, who would basically end his that series when he gets murdered, does he, in real life? So. I thought he got murdered. What was it then? No, he gets murdered after the after the series ends. Really? And then James, oh, and Commissioner wow. Gordon has to get a different voice after that. Oh wow! So. I didn't know that. I knew he got murdered. Well, that was pretty. That's another story. That is a whole TMZ episode. <laughs> 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 it's all series in itself. And I mean, I think that we also get kept. I mean, this is the introduction to Kevin Conroy as Batman, and basically he is the ultimate Batman. I don't think that anyone can ever do him again as far as voice goes. Yeah. Everyone who's doing him now is just doing a Kevin Conroy impression. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. that iconic of a voice that you can't really go anywhere from it. And it's, 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 it's truly iconic. Just your mild-mannered billionaire. And the voice of the man bat for you out there is Beastmaster Mark Singer. <laughs> is that Sean really just told me him? that this morning. I didn't know. Sean just told me that this morning. You can hear I did a little not bit, know that was watch, him. On my second watch, I'm listening. I'm like, yes, yes, that is the Beastmaster. It's the Beastmaster. <laughs> oh, my God. Now I've got we're gonna get a battle. Uh, we're gonna get a, a, a an iconic voice that got fired, and then somebody else got rehired for the next episode. So that's mm-hmm. that's gonna be an interesting one. And Vicky, you'll love Night Court's Richard Mall is the voice of Harvey Dent. So apparently, he's got a lot of voices on this. That yeah, I did yeah. not realize how many. But he's the voice of the computer. He's he's uh, he's the little security guard ta- who has aspirations. Of that being guy a always had something going on. Though. 
Well, this brings us to Christmas with the Joker. After escaping Arkham Asylum on Christmas Eve, he terrorizes Gotham by taking on Batman and Robin to find his hidden studio and free the hostages, which include Commissioner Gordon, Detective Bullock, and Summer Gleason. So, starting with you, Joe, what are your thoughts on Christmas with the Joker? Well, this one gets right off and running right at the beginning. You just have the you just have the Joker hanging around, uh, hanging around in the asylum, just. <laughs> And just rockets right out of the right out of the uh, right out of the asylum on the Christmas tree. It's fucking fantastic! Like it's such a great way to introduce this version of the Joker. And um, this is another thing. Last night when I got home from work, uh, Sean had noticed that uh, he basically premieres the same way in the '66 Batman series, only it's during a baseball game. But I thought it was such a great and brilliant way to just introduce this character and he's a complete a complete madman and mark hamill's voice is sadistically gleeful and just such a fantastic villain i absolutely love it um and it's i like the i like the old plot of well i've got all these people all in the studio, and I'm. They can't. They never say they're going to kill them. I don't think he ever says straight up he's going to kill them because I don't think they would have gotten away with that. But the implication is he's going to drop them into a, a thing of molten. Uh, what, what was it? Molten lava. Either so lava the implication acid, is something boiling that will kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, Joker always was into boiling vats of some kind of shit, wasn't he? Often, yeah. I mean, often, even the, all the time. <laughs> well, the thing about the Joker is, Joker into... is probably, but Joker is one of the only villains who actually murders people as well, yeah. which is quite interesting. For shits and giggles, literally, too. It's really not even mm. that you got some. Literally. But yeah, this mm. this is uh, such a fun fun introduction to to one of the great characters, though. This is so it is so cool to see him. Just kind of straddle the the uh, the Christmas tree and just fly right up out of screen. Awesome, absolutely awesome. And yeah, I I, I like the kind of ten little Indians vibe, although they, they never really get to actually killing anybody off. And that was another thing that I that I realized with with this show, and I haven't seen any recent cartoon shows, so I I, I don't know if I'm really like in the right frame of mind. But I'm actually seeing characters run around with guns. And I'm like, I don't think they still do that in cartoons. I don't, I, I haven't seen I any know. cartoons, but I mean, coming, I haven't seen anything. Well, now that I think about it, I just, I went and saw uh, Dragon Ball Z with Asher a few nights ago. And I want to say that I think I saw some Pistola action, but I'll have to go back and look at that. There was a bad guy and they were using the energy balls, the big G ball things, you know. That they all now it's going to bother me. I, honestly, I haven't really seen a cartoon in a long time with, with uh, firearms. Don't, don't come to mind. At least not mm. anything that isn't aimed at adults. Okay, uh, at least TV fourteen or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Like I can't imagine like a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, there aren't no, really Saturday it. morning cartoons anymore. But I can't no. imagine like a cartoon show aimed at kids having guns in this day and age. So it was kind of jarring seeing that. It's been so long since I've seen anything like that. 
aside from like watching old Looney Tunes or something, and you'll see like oh, yeah, you see the, show up with a, yeah, the Elmer Gun. Fudd, Wally Coyote, or Elmer Fudd. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was kind. Of, that was kind of weird too. It, it, it's it's strange how much the culture has changed in thirty years. Well, I'm also kind of wondering if maybe they were able to get away with this anyway, only because there is no. This is not really set in modern times. This Batman. It's kind of set in this 30s, 40s kind of. Well, the cars um, look very old. It's a Charles Fleischer Superman style. Yeah. Good that's that's a very good point. Very yeah. good point. I mean, it, definitely. It looks like the it, old Superman cartoons. That was kind yeah. of the look they wanted. This timeless. Probably what they were going for. for don't yeah. you think? Yeah, Absolutely. because even but even if you look at the style of dress that the women are wearing or the men are wearing, it's all very, very, 40s. very 30s, 40s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, and, especially and, the women right down to the hair. It's kind of 40s. But even if you look at the helicopter used in the previous one or the blimp that's being used, Blimps, I mean, yeah. they're very, you know, and even even the even the Batmobile that you do get to see in this one that basically it has that very, you know, rumbler. Kind of, you know, it the, looked like it. It looks like a Benz. <laughs> it looks like some Benz or something. It does look very retro. It's very yeah. retro. So, I mean, um, I'm just kind of thinking later on. I think, I think it pretty much stays in this kind of style sort of thing as well. I can't, you know, it doesn't really have this modernized, you know, 1990s or 2000 kind of a futuristic look to it. It does have this. As you were saying with the Fleischer's Superman series, I think it's more they keep the look of the city, but the modern technology, maybe like a video screen or something like that, in there. But yeah, it's, it's going to be pretty much that classic feel to it. That's, that's also true because you have television, so it can't be the '30s and '40s. And Batman has high tech and all that, so it can't. He's be. very yeah. high tech. Look at all the shit he's got in the Batcave yeah. for crying out loud! You know that's definitely way beyond the '40s. So, I mean, I, I forget what you yeah. call it. It's not steampunk, kind of. Some of it's, I like steampunk. So a lot of it kind of seems steampunk to me, but not with the technology and the 40s. But that that's but sort of like Sabrina on Netflix that looked like the 40s, but it wasn't the 40s. So, I mean, it just depends, I guess, on where you want to interpret it. I guess it's all. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess when you also look at the henchmen and stuff like this, there is this kind of, Peter Munn, Scarface kind of henchmanness about the you know, these mob people that you know yeah. you're gonna see more mob people, and there is that 1940s mob view of them as well, it's like through this lens sort of thing, you know, because we'll we'll get some mob action going on in future episodes, sort of thing. Right, but um, right. so and I think maybe that's probably why the guns would probably more fit because if you look at even even though Batman might be a bit more um, technically. To, uh, more technically advanced most of the people around him aren't that technically advanced sort of thing i mean commissioner gordon doesn't have a computer on his none of the computer. Admit, though, this was the early 90s before people started getting really squirrely about stuff and well, it was a different time too it's like God, yeah. 30 years ago well, i guess it's pre-columbine as well i suppose right but right. um yeah but, but um, yeah, but I mean, but also I think it's uh, but I don't remember having a lot of gunfire and Saturday morning cartoons either. Outside, no, as you said before, Looney Tunes and well, sort of thing. Like, I mean, there really wasn't. There was just lots of glowing up and dropping well, off a cliff. I guess, Sp I guess, Spider Man, the the seventy Spider Man, I think had gunfire in it. 
the 80s the 80s wave of cartoons they were making cartoons off their every r-rated movie back then there's a Robo yeah you had a robocop cartoon series yeah. oh series. yeah i forgot about those actually uh transformers yeah. had transformers i mean they were lasers shooting out of the guns but they were still gunfire yeah. gi joe also gunfire but it'd be an yeah, orange gi joe whatnot, did aquaman yeah. and superman and all of them back then have that i can't remember now i've since slept since I don't think they did. the only thing i remember them is super friends and i remember super friends kind of be i mean it was kind of naff i found Super Friends, but Super <laughs> I, friends. I remember Super Friends. I forgot so, about the Super Friends and Eons. I, I remember the Fleischer cartoons in the 40s. There would be they would all shoot at Superman and the bullets would just bounce off him. Right. So I remember that. See, but, I yeah. always have a I always had a problem with Superman for some reason. I just don't understand him. What's not to well, he's too perfect? That's he's yeah. an alien. Well, <laughs> no, no, no. But my problem with Steve, my problem with my the reason I like Batman because he is flawed. I think I mean yes. they're they're I I don't like I, I'm not a Marvel fan at all sort of thing. The only Marvel I do like Spider Man as far I always as the get Marvel my thing universe goes. is confused. But um when it, but what I, my problem with Superman is is like why don't you just get Lois just get rid of all the kryptonite and you'd be fine. <laughs> It's like it's always like the kryptonite. It's like where he's like the kryptonite. But that's his flaw <laughs> that's his though. He isn't perfect. Well, he takes her all weekend. around the world. Hey, it's, it's sorry, about fifteen feet never, over there. Grab it. I'm sorry, yeah. but I, I, in the new like, what and, is it? yeah. And he's always emotionally constipated, Superman. There's like, <laughs> you know, for some reason. So, <laughs> it's just I like, know. I, I thought the last Superman's been pretty hot. So back up a Superman. He's looking good. He's no, but I'm, than- ta- I'm, ta- I'm talking about like I'm talking about like a superhero that he. I mean, he's not human. And the thing is, his only weakness is kryptonite. So you're just kind of thinking like. And his every, is basically. But but, but, but what, I, what I find with Superman is that every That's- Superman movie and every Superman cartoon, it always always comes down to the villain having kryptonite it always comes down to kryptonite oh yeah well everybody's got even even all the superheroes they all have well no but what i'm saying is that when you deal with some where batman is human so what you get with batman is there's a lot of weaknesses there which makes him for me a more three-dimensional stronger character so you get involved and like wasn't bad as batman well, you know, as far as <laughs> as far as Batman movies are concerned, I'm, I'm talking about the character, just the character of Batman himself. So, like, there's a lot of flaws with him because he's human, and he, and to be honest, out of all the superheroes, he's one of the only humans that hasn't been bit by a bit by a spider or ran into a That's true. radiation he mess or anything. He has but the I mean, power of money. The, well, it. I guess he's mentally yeah. absorbed because he had that incident with one of the movies falling into the bat. The the big issue with Superman in a dramatic sense is when you have a character who's already like above everybody else, but you make him a hero, you now have a hero who's constantly punching down because Uh he's a super being, whereas all these villains like Lex Luthor is a man. He's a human. He could... Uh, you know, he's superior. If you, shoot him, if you shoot Lex Luthor, he will bleed. If you shoot Superman, the bullets right. will bounce off him. So, dr- dr- in a dramatic context, it does it doesn't work as well because the, the like the 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 hero should be the one who's coming up and fighting upwards. There the isn't any you- really like, especially in the new universe now, especially the movies. There isn't another human that's a superhero, is there? Iron Man, Iron Man, super. Oh, that's human, right. But, yeah, but yeah. but but he's a dickhead. I mean, he's a horrible person. Really, he's not a nice person. 
He's like, oh, I look at me. I, I got Falcon? I got money and I got money and I'm showing off. Where Batman is like, he doesn't want people really to know. You know, he doesn't he doesn't do it because he wants people to know. He, the reason why he does what he does is not because he wants people to, he doesn't want the adulation of the crowd. He's doing what he thinks right. But Batman's probably the most, he's probably one of the only superheroes has so much baggage that comes with him. Well, the you know, Joker for- really though, but you know, when they, when they introduce mm-hmm. him, they don't, do they ever, well, that, I'm going to ask him, did he had, because I'm really curious. Do they ever go into why Batman hates the Joker in the in the series? You don't say it's not, it a, it's not a ma- it it's is. not a matter of hating. He doesn't hate the Joker. He will later on, but it's not a matter of hate. He doesn't hate any of these villains that he's doing. He's doing a well, job. The, that okay, he the rivalry, right. the, the, the the sheer. You know, I want to get the rival. The rivalry is Joker having a rivalry with Batman, but it's not Batman having a rivalry with the Joker. The okay. Joker exists because Batman exists. Right. The, the, the Batman brought out the crazies in the world, so to speak, and he's he feels like okay, I, I he's the reason why I can exist, and I can be who they're my true form of the Joker. I can be, and they need each other. So or he feels that they need each other. Batman looks at it as no, you're just you're just some guy that I busted once, and now you're and you're obsessed with me. And it gets more and more crazy and violence and unforgivable as it goes on. And but on. they're almost like natural enemies. Yeah, they kind of they they. It doesn't start out that way. It's more one-sided, or at least it's more delusionally seen that way from the Joker's point of view. But then as it goes on and and it, things start happening, you start to see the turn. And Batman's just like, no, I I I can't let this person exist free the second he the second the joker gets out or escapes all bets are off the joker or the batman kind of is just like oh no we're, we're getting this guy we can't let him free everyone else it's a lot more meticulous it's a lot more with the joker it's uh more more uh revenge driven more rage driven it feels like right and once you get more into the Joker's character, and especially when we get the introduction of Harley Quinn further down the line, I can't wait what, for what, those. I'm so what, excited what, for but, those. But what you find, what you find, what you find out about Joker is that he's all his stuff is he's he's basically a character of narcissism, and basically yeah. because because he's so consumed by his narcissism, and the thing is. He's so consumed by his narcissism that kind of leads him that basically he he, he can't be beaten because he he's got to have the last word he's got to have the last laugh I guess. Batman has narcissism as well, but it's a kind of a different driven narcissism with his personality. His narcissism basically is has to do with he tries to be the best he can, but he can't. But he again is like a Joker, but like a mirror mirror image of the Joker, where he can't admit when he is wrong. Which is kind of the Batman, one of the Batman's biggest problems that will come later on, which you will, which you kind of do see in the movies and stuff like this. Right. He has a difficult time. Well, he was jealous of Superman in the movies. That caused a whole bunch of shit. We all know about that, but we won't well, I mean, what, what you'll find with Batman as well is that this will come to fore when it comes to the relationship between him and Batman, uh, him and Robin. Right. When Robin, when the break, when the when that breaks away. So you know which will come come more to the fore but there is that you know but at the same time you know you're dealing with someone who who's being raised by a butler who he employs that's who brings him up so so that's got a whole other kind of issues going on there as well it's kind of like you know it's a bit like if 
I guess it's a bit like being Macaulay, um, Macaulay Culkin's parents, basically. It's like, you know, you're raising this boy, but he's actually paying all your bills. So that's kind of like this kind of a weird, weird thing that goes on, you know. <laughs> you know, so like you do with most child actors, you know, sort of thing. You know, the you know, when your parents are no longer your parents, they're they're your basically they're basically your workforce. They're your your they're, your parents have become your employees. And that's pretty much what you get with, you know, Batman and Alfred to a certain point. I mean, I, I guess an, well, another interesting thing about Christmas with the Joker also, this is this is kind of an odd odd episode out, really, because what we do is we get introduced to Robin, but Robin disappears, and we he doesn't come back into an origin story that is going to come later on in this series. So it's kind of like you know, that was that was one thing that I that I noticed because I, we were watching them and we watched all four of them back to back, and I saw Robin. I'm like, wait a second. Is this out of order? Where was did Robin we, in the yeah. last one? Did they just air it and closer to Christmas and they needed a Christmas episode? Because I, I, what Fox uh, Fox in the Morning used to do, they would sometimes air a, a preview episode in the middle of the summer, just kind of drop it out of nowhere in the middle of the TV mm. lineup and say, hey, this is coming this fall. And it would get a big rating and it would get everybody going for it. So I'm wondering, and I'm looking at the dates of when everything aired. I think that the first one uh, on Leather Wings aired in the summer. And then this one aired, I think, in November. Yeah, November mm-hmm. something, yeah. November. So there is it, something definitely spoobar about their timeline. At least I'm wondering HBO. if they just shoehorned it in after the fact. Because, yeah, there is in, no introduction of the Joker mm-hmm. whatsoever. Or, yeah. or well, the, Robin. Robin. Another thing is, is I was reading... Um, I got this Batman animation book. So I was actually doing a little bit of research and they did this episode right afterwards. And they're saying, they're saying the reason why they're introducing Robin, because the network wanted to know what would happen if, when Robin becomes eventually introduced into it. So, so like to give it like, it's like a little taster because the, these four episodes are tasters of what the series is going to become. So when you look at these four, and so when you start looking at these four episodes, you realize it's like, Okay, they're, this is how this is what they're doing. They're actually going to show us these are what's going to come, and they're going to expand on this universe sort of thing. So I got a feeling that might be part of it as well. So like because you know we can't introduce Robin. Robin's going to come in the middle of season one, right. but we but we need to introduce him so that way the network needs to know what they're doing because the network wasn't really they, this is kind of an odd thing for them to do. Which the next episode will pretty much tell you where this team worked before they came onto this series. So, so I think that has a lot to do with it, but I also was like, and I also know it's like, you, you got Joker and there's not a lot of backstory, but Joker, he just appears and he's there. He shows up, yeah. Right. Yeah. Then he comes back again. They disappear. But, but what you also get in this episode as well is the warmth between Dick Grayson and Bruce Wayne as well with, you know, Christmas and let's spend Christmas together. Let's be like let's a family. It's a wonderful life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the same thing where Bruce, you find a little bit about Bruce's background. Oh, I've never seen that. It's like he's never really celebrated like a Christmas. And so they're giving that kind he of a feeling behind him. He could never get past the title. That's the reason why you can never see it. He can never get past the title. He doesn't want to watch the movie because he thinks it's going to be too happy. And then when he watches it, he sees how dark it is. He goes, oh, it has its moments. This, this episode fully <laughs> displays great. how much of a Scrooge Bruce is. As he's he's flying <laughs> around Gotham, it, Robin's just like, hey, look, Bruce, why don't we just go back home? There's no real crimes going on. He doesn't say anything. He just swings away. Oh, there's a crime there. He goes, it's just a man trying to re- return a present to a nice woman. 
and he's mm. honestly angry that he can't fight anyone. He is, <laughs> he is genuinely upset. Had that guy not at that moment returned that gift, that guy would have had the shit beaten out of him for no reason. <laughs> it's lucky he swung behind him and not right on top of him, because if he swung right on top of him, it would have ended a lot different. I mean, you know, there's also a bit of madness that we're getting with Batman as well, that basically that if there's no problem around that, he doesn't, it, that means he doesn't exist. So he needs problems. He needs things going on because he obviously has no purpose. Oh, he was you definitely know. happy when he when he saw that uh, that that uh, variety show start kicking up. He's like, "All right, I gotta get my suit back on. <laughs> yeah, get Alfred, my suit keep, back on. Keep the dinner cold. I'll be ready." <laughs> yeah, it's it's but, a fascinating episode. It really is. I mean, even um, but I like, but it also gives a glimpse into the whole thingy with the Robin and Batman that they're not as parallel as you think they are either there's a constant push and pull with these two characters that you that you don't really get in any other thing until the this animated series before they're like the best of pals you know it's like the 60s program oh yeah we're best and you know you're my hero you're my you know you're my daddy or whatever sort of thing and now we got now we got this like a, we finally got the robin push and pull situation going on here where you know they're working together good. and and it, it gets worse which is great but but we kind of get a little bit of that as well. It's just like, you know, you know, it's a bit like um, I grew up on a farm, and it'd be like, you know, oh, you got to milk the cows. Like, do we have to? They've already, they're already been sorted. <laughs> it's like, come on, been sorted. This is watch television. Everything's been done. Come on, we. I'm sure there's more. I'm sure there's something else we have to do. It's like, no, everything's done. Just relax. <laughs> But yeah, so but I, I but I have to say, Christmas with the Joker does feel like the odd episode out because <laughs> you're like we're and especially like when you watch the Blu-rays, it's like all you get just like but and it does feel like those Christmas episodes that you would get like in any series is like you know whether it's Sabrina or, or even Buffy had the, like their Christmas episode and it's like you know they're in the middle of like a storyline and all of a sudden it's like the next episode is like this Christmas thing is like everything yeah. just stops for this Christmas episode and it's like. Christmas is over. Okay, let's go back to let's go back to our story. So, so there is that kind of a feel about it. So, and I have to sit there and say it's the script for this is fantastic for the simple fact that they put that Batman, you know, the Jingle Bell Batman Jingle song Bell's in Batman it. Smells. <laughs> Robin laid what an smells? egg. Oh, that is that where that came? No, that isn't where that came. No, that came before, before that. that. But they they added it into this. Mm. The fact that they start the episode with the Joker singing it, that's that's just perfect. That's it, 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 it's a nice little cherry on top. I think he's I think he's singing the and the Joker got away as and the Joker got off. away as the tree is rocketing out of the uh, yeah. Markham. Uh, and I had to say I love the co the color palette for the Joker actually as well. Yes. The purple uh, the purple suit, the green, it, it works. It's a very, very good. It really pops, especially on Blu-ray. It really pops. Yeah. And the green, the green hairs. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Super villain.
This brings us to nothing to fear. Batman encounters the Scarecrow and attempts to foil his schemes of burning down Gotham University, but in the process exposed to Scarecrow's fear gas and is forced to face his guilt and the death of his parents. Uh, Starting with you, Sean, what's your thoughts of this episode? Well, this is the first real episode that brings up the trauma that Bruce is going through with the death of his parents. It's it's known, it's, it's kind of joked about about how overplayed it is, but we didn't see it in the first two episodes. There's no reference to the parents. This is the first time that we see it. And when he gets into the elevator with Dr. Long, uh, Kevin McCarthy, who, and he just verbally inviscerates him, like, oh, you've wasted your father's legacy. You're just not... And you can see like, okay, this is where this is where this starts and we can start to see how it evolves throughout the series. And then as soon as he's hit with that fear gas, it, the first thing he sees is his father lecturing him about, okay, well, I'm not proud of you, son. And you can see that's the biggest fear of all is just letting down his father, letting down his family legacy. And it really kind of explores that in a great way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, other than that, I, I think that it's, Uh, what was it it also the scarecrow uh it's kind of cool to see him in this form like i said i haven't really watched the earlier series in a while he's kind of evolved into almost like batman's freddy krueger in recent years Mm. he's uh the way he hits you with his nightmare or his fear toxin and you uh get hit with these nightmarish visions he's almost a godlike entity that can manipulate your greatest fears it's it's very freddy-esque and i think that in the recent years it's, sounds that it's it's sounds like it's, a halloween villain you know especially he's the perfect messing, you know mess with your head he is, he is the perfect halloween villain in a way uh, just just the mask and the and the, and the look uh, from what I was reading, though, Bruce Tim, the creator of the, or uh, one of the producers, they did not like the look of the Scarecrow. They did not like it initially. They were trying to uh, they had a vision in their head and the animators. They just it wasn't really translating to them well. And they admit that they, it wasn't until they switched over to Warner Brothers or the WB rather. And uh, they did the newer series that they finally found a look that they were really comfortable with, where it was both terrifying but at the same time and uh kind of there's a weakness to it so i i like this episode a lot it's a it's also got a really good goon uh anthony the hired goon i always like a good hired goon and uh he's the one henchman that when uh when scarecrow says go after him he has a look on his face like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna get my ass kicked but it's better than being covered in imaginary spiders while doing so. So I'm just going to go up there and take my gun and get my ass kicked by Batman. So I, I appreciated that. I also like the simple fact that what you do also get with the Batman character as well is that it kind of explained what you were talking about earlier, where you get the goofy Bruce Wayne character. Yeah. And this kind of explains the the goofy because what when he gets the old man who leaves the elevator and goes, oh, you're a, you're a shame to your father. You're nothing but a joke. You're a playboy. You're, you know, you don't take anything He's seriously. He's not that good at being a playboy, though. He's a real goofball, you know, when it comes to well, women. But the thing is, is that um, it makes you question that who is the real Batman? Is it Bruce Wayne or is, or is Batman the real person? Right. That's, that's right. kind you of know. where I'm at with it is I think Batman is the real person at this point. Yeah. And Bruce Wayne died in that alley with his parents. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. That's, that's the way I, I've 
seeing it over the years, it's it's so, it's really yeah. Sorry. Well, I mean, in this one, like like we said earlier, you can tell in the in the voice uh, when he's Batman, even when he's around Alfred and um, and Robin, he talks like Batman unless he's out in public as Bruce Wayne, and then that seems to be the character. That seems to be the mm. character he's putting out to the world. Mm. Which is kind of weird because it's almost a simple fact that Spider or Superman, when he takes off his glasses, he becomes you know that his his disguise is basically is you know Clark yeah, Kent, Clark isn't Kent. it? So he takes yeah, when he takes yeah. the glasses off. Where this is probably the only time that we actually get a superhero that when he puts the mask on, he becomes himself. Yeah. Because all all the other all the other superheroes you got these are their alter egos, but Bat, Bruce Wayne's his alter ego really you know in a weird kind of sense, and you do get this sense in this episode that kind of starts painting this picture of who he is, which is kind of when you think about it, it's it's kind of fucked up really. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> He's I mean every every form of media recently they've portrayed him as okay I have to be Bruce Wayne I don't want to but I have to be him in order to keep up appearances or the stock's mm. going to drop or the company's going to fall apart or so there's going to be a takeover or something I have to show up every now in public uh, now and then in public just to to do that but, because he has to fund Batman that's and it's, you know, right. it's, a, it's out of necessity right. to fund his his his, his vigilante I guess I'll put on my Armani suit and climb into my Lamborghini yes. with my two models and go downtown to the nicest restaurant that I just bought. Oh God, my life sucks. It, you do get that. that vibe from them, though. Yeah, I get that a lot. They, <laughs> they do kind of play on that in the dark night too, where, yes. you know, he, he, he absconds with an entire Russian ballet because he's got to keep up appearances to be Batman. Yeah, right. That's a good cover to sneak into China if he absconds with the entire Russian ballet to the Indian Ocean. So yeah, it works. Now another interesting thing is that this team, before they were asked to do Batman and what they could do with it, they worked on Tiny Tunes. Right. And if you notice, is that the first security guard that Scarecrow goes after with the spiders is reading a Tiny Tunes comic yep. book. We so, noticed yeah, that. So. We noticed that. We're like, oh, this is so cool. Nice little, which is quite uh, nice because they're actually adding like there's little Easter eggs in there as well, which I quite like. I love Tiny Toon Adventures. I got to revisit those. Yeah, I, I want to see that. I, there's a '90s was a great time for animation. It was. Oh yeah, those, those, those shows had a lot of references that I would probably get a lot more now than I would have back mm. then when I was you know ten years old. Uh, there's always know. something cartoons that. When you're little, like, well, even Animaniacs, you watch that now. It's like, God, yeah. how in the hell did it get away with this? <laughs> stuff? Like, yeah, Whoa. there's a lot Whoa. of sexual humor in Animaniacs that I did not catch as a kid, but it was fa- it's mm. fantastic when I, when I rewatch them now, and I'm like, oh my god, that is so cool. I mean, my favorite series is Powerpuff Girls from the '90s as well. I, I actually like it. the Powerpuff Girls. I don't admit that. I've too heard much. that my the Powerpuff daughter Girls is fantastic. It. I've never seen it, but I've heard that there's a lot of great stuff going on in that show. It has. Um, the great thing about Powerpuff Girls is that if you're a fan of Underdog and Rocky and Bullwinkle, you'll love Powerpuff Girls. Right. It has that kind of it has that kind of humor to it. So I don't think you know, anybody remembers who Rocky and Bullwinkle are, though. I tell you what, I know Moose and Squirrel. Yeah, I have, I have the, I have the the box set of all the Rocky and Bowwinkles, and I still have it. I mean, nothing's better than fractured fairy tales. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, that's my favorite fractured fairy tales. We're just the, like, the, the the box edition king, though. Well, I have something to say that I mean, when I was growing up, Underdog was my favorite. When I was growing up, I have I have the original cells upstairs on, on my wall upstairs. So I got some Felix original cells from that. That was all weird, and dark, weird shit too, yeah. back then. Which well, one? Well, like, Felix, Felix the, cat. the cat. Oh, Felix the cat was definitely dark. Well, that's uh, back when that's back when there was Coke and Coca Cola. So <laughs> I didn't realize. I actually, I I had uh, I'd seen a Felix the Cat short a few days ago from like 1928. I didn't realize Felix the Cat went back that far. Does um, that was that was uh, that was amazing to me. I was like, I had no idea. That, I remember well, Felix the Cat growing up, but. It was Ewoks. It was it was Ewoks. Um, Felix the Cat, wasn't it? Who would eventually go on to help produce Mickey Mouse? Who then they break off, and that became Disney. Yeah, same team. The rest is so, history. Yeah, but if you look at Felix, there's a lot of Steamboat Willie ass Mickey Mouse in Felix. Yeah. If you look at the the way it's drawn and the the darkness and the eyes and so on and so forth, so. So, but with, yeah, with nothing to fear, I, I found it very interesting as far as, and then we also get, you know, we get a little bit more of um, um, Butler, Alfred, Albert. It's like, why am I, why am I, my brain, why is my brain thinking Albert, but Alfred, and we kind of get in a little bit more of that relationship kind of being flushed out slightly is there as well. Which is oh, interesting yeah, as well. The, uh, the 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 gas that uh, that makes him flip out and he destroys the uh, the dining room. <laughs> uh, that was fantastic. Uh, that was a fantastic uh, bit. I wouldn't blame Alfred. I'd be sick of doing all that freaking housework in that place too. I also, Huge. I also think this show actually, you know, when you start like digging into like the voices and stuff like this, the people who are doing the show are such a big fan of old horror films as well. Dr. Lang is played by um, Kevin McCarthy from, in, um, from Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> oh, my God. Is he? Yeah. yeah. I, well, he he had a career renaissance, like, in the 80s and 90s, because, like, everybody that grew up watching him wanted uh, wanted to work with him, especially Joe, Joe Dante used him a lot. That was my introduction to him, was watching old uh, Inner Space on TV and uh, seeing him in that as the villain. He, 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 I loved him in that movie. Well, well he, he shows up in Gremlins as well, isn't he, Kevin McCarthy? Doesn't he appear in one of the Gremlin films as well? I think uh, he does. I, don't, I think he might be in Gremlins 2. I, I think he might yeah. be in 2. I think you're right. I know it's Dick. I know Dick Miller's in both of them, but I can't. I can't forget. I can't oh, Dick Miller's in everything Joe Dante ever did. If Joe Dante could resurrect his corpse, he will. But he's he's in just about every, he's in just about everything Joe Dante did. Uh, I remember him in. Um, I, I'm blanking here. He's even he's, he's even in Looney Tunes back in action. Like he's in everything Dante did up until he died. So uh, Kevin McCarthy had a had a huge renaissance. I think he did a few Burton movies too during this time period. Did the Howling, I think too. The Howling. If you ever wanted to watch a movie that references old movies, I didn't realize it until I went back and and, and rewatched it recently. Every single character in that is named after somebody who directed a werewolf movie before him, before yeah. Dante did. Because you have. Uh, uh, Lou Landers, you have uh, T- uh, Terrence Fisher, you have all these names. When and when, like, when you're just watching it, 
just kind of washes over you. When you watch it with like uh, thinking back to classic horror, you start recognizing all these names. You're like, wait a second. That's a director of this movie. That's a director of this movie. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Kevin McCarthy, um, Kevin McCarthy being in this and who, uh, who else was in this? That was, that was like an old, because I think we get Richard Mall again. Richard Mall did a lot of old horror movies too. Mm. Uh, Henry Pollock, uh, the second was the scarecrow. I, I'm not too familiar with him. Mm. But uh... doesn't doesn't no, never mind. I bet Rodney McDowell comes in at some point, but I always for some reason I always thought he was the scarecrow, but I know he when I was watching it this time I realized it wasn't him because Rodney McDowell has a very definite voice. Oh, wait a minute, Rodney McDowell is in the animated series and the 66 series because he was the clock king in the 66 series. Right. He appear, he his voice does appear at some point in Batman the Anime series. Nice. I didn't know. Um, oh well we Sean last night sent me a clip uh because apparently um the original intent for the Joker was going to be Tim Curry. Oh yeah, we forgot to mention this in the oh, wow, as, that in the, la- cool. the last episode. Uh Tim Curry was cast originally as the Joker. Uh he did about three to four episodes and he got bronchitis. And he just, and they, they let him go. The only quote that's on record from him is I got bronchitis. I got fired. They brought in Mark Hamill. That's show business. And that's the only quote on record I could find about it. But he, uh, there is a slight recording of the joke of him laughing as the Joker still in the show. I hope so. It's, it's uh, episode nine. There's a at the 16 minute and 50 second mark somewhere around that there's a boy who's running away from the Joker and he runs into a mechanical clown that begins laughing. And that laugh is unmistakable. It's absolutely Tim Curry maniacally. Can't, laughing. You can't. Yeah, you, you, you can. You cannot. Very distinctive. It, so. I'll know it when oh, I. Oh, that would have given such a different twist on it. Well, I've, I wonder if he I wonder if Tim Curry can do an American accent. I've never heard him do an American accent ever. I, you know, I don't think I have. Not that either. I think of it. Well, he played Pennywise the clown. Well, yeah, but, but that, I don't remember any... hearing him being so British. Pennywise, do you guys remember? Maybe, him maybe at the he end of Clue. No, Did no, he, he was. Still, American, he was no, he has no, a British accent. No, 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 always, always, always had a British accent. Yeah, even in Penny, even Pennywise the clown, he, I mean, he doesn't say, he doesn't say a lot anyway. But when he does say something, there's still kind of a Englishness about it. He's trying like to he's trying to be a little huckster with the uh, with the um, when he's doing the shtick in the library or in the uh, bookstore or the library. Yeah. Rather. He's uh, trying to like an old timey vaudeville act a little bit, but I don't think he's. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really think. Yeah. After the, after we watch it, I'm kind of what you know, whenever I think of Pennywise having any kind of lines to say, I just think of him and Georgie. And you know when he's in the cellar, they're, they're all floating down here. So, <laughs> everyone down floats. Here. He's got a little everyone raspy floats. voice. He's got a little raspy yeah. voice going on at that moment. Float down yeah. here, too. You all float down here, Georgie. Yeah. I'm Georgie. just thinking. I'm just. I'm just listening to some of the Joker's lines and just wondering <laughs> if it's going to be making it thinking like Joker. You know, Joker does Rocky Horror kind of thing. It's kind of <laughs> 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 How do you do? The all? Joker on stilettos, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
Well, I mean, I have to be honest. Um, if you look at the Joker, you know, we might as well get to the next one, actually, which is the last laugh, because we get the Joker again. The Joker infects Gotham and is laughing gas, but when Alfred is infected, Batman has added, incentive to find an antidote before all of Gotham and Alfred die with a smile. Um, okay. I got these two confused, because for some reason, I thought the gas with Alfred destroying the dining room was in the last episode. It's in this one. It's in this one. It's in one. this one. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, got and this is based off an original too yeah. because he's done this before in other other variations. Well, the, the there was a scarecrow in the last episode and his Joker this time around. Um, They're both but this is, people in both episodes, so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but this, okay. this, well, this one, in the gas, okay. Well, well, the scarecrow is about your innermost fears, and this is basically about you're going to die with a smile on your face because it has the laughing gas, I guess. Yeah, which is typical Joker. But I was just. Um, yeah, I just can pick. I mean, to be honest, hearing some of these lines, thinking that it was um, Jim that Tim Curry could have been doing this at that point before they recast him, some of the lines being said in these could are very Tim Curry esque in a way. If you think of some of the lines that Joker is saying, they they didn't really find. They admit that they didn't really find the Joker's voice until Harley got introduced. Uh, that's mm. when they really you could you could see the. Hamill's getting the laugh down and slowly over the episodes evolving into the Joker that we kind of all know for the last uh, 20 to 30 years. Mm. Uh, it's it's just kind of that voice that his Joker, honestly, I think is the definitive Joker, much in the same way people say Conroy is the definitive <clears throat> Batman. It just sticks mm -hmm. with you that laugh. It's haunting, and uh, it feels truly like a man losing his mind in the voice booth while doing it. Right. Yeah, uh, I said that Mark, I mean, my hat's off to Mark Ham Hamill, because to be honest, I really never rated him much as an actor, really, until <laughs> he'd done this. I mean, okay, he's fine as Luke Skywalker, but I mean, Luke Skywalker's a really boring part anyway. I mean, it's right. not, Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford kind of steals that whole movie away yes, from him. <laughs> All three of them. He surely <laughs> does. It's like the Indiana Jones of the Galactic Empire, Yeah. You know, in 1990, Mark Hamill was on uh, the Flash TV show. It only lasted one season. It was on CBS. It was I remember that. The yeah. School, yeah, he he played yeah, he the trickster. He played the trickster, which is I didn't very know much that. The, oh my god! I didn't he's remember. basically the Joker. He's basically kind of doing his Joker. The voice by the end of the season, they added a female sidekick who is very much a Harley kind of character. A Harley fan of sorts. It's not. It's not Harley, but it's it's very much like an obsessed uh, person who will break him out of jail. Kind of maybe. But not near the man. nut job as the other one. I don't think she's a psychologist. Oh, there, there's the level of crazy, but I don't think she's the psychologist character. But it's but a whole the, different level of crazy. Yeah. It's a different level of crazy, but you could see kind of the genesis of what would be his Joker character in his delivery and his performance. You could kind of maybe see the wheels turning a little bit. You didn't even know it, but you could kind of see. Yeah, I've watched all the episodes of The Flash with my grandson, and I cannot remember Mark Hamill being that. This, no, this I is this is the Flash from the this is the Flash from the nine. Is it the nineties? John was the ship. Yeah, I remember the Flash because this is coming to the table. This is the flash that was uh, that was kind of running at the tail end of Melrose right. Place. Right. <laughs> that's, like a, that's that's why I remember because in this country we got we got the flash and the Melrose Place came on after it. So I remember that. Oh, we were that's running. right. That's a oh my god. Character. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> I digress. I have Thursday night television in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
So and so that's that's the reason why when you said the flash in the nineties, that's why I remember it because it had that it had kind of that nineties kind of soap opera sheen to it than some of the nineties shows had at that time. You know, it also brought him back in the in the newer Flash in in, in recent years. He he's reprising the Trickster from different multiverses and all that. Stuff. Really? Yeah, they 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 well the multiverse. We've watched them all. We watch the older ones, and then Asher watches that. Is it on Netflix? I think. Yeah. Well, multiverse is a thing nowadays, isn't that multiversing? Yeah. It's the hot I guess I get confused. I get. I was it Joe was telling me like last summer. He goes, you got your universes confused again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, true. There's just now. so much going on with DC and Marvel. It's just like, you know. I'm just I'm not a I'm not a fan of all the shared universe stuff because I just think it I, I think it leads to every to just if lazy you writing. Lazy, yeah. It because leads to now writing. you could just kill a character off and it doesn't have to mean anything because you can bring them back next week and be like, oh, this is yeah. the same that character wasn't the from another Mr. universe. Fantastic. Yeah. That's soap operas. That's that's but, like soap opera. Well, there there is a pro there is a problem with that kind of multiverse kind of situation that you have because what happens is that you tie yourself up into like Christmas lights when you're trying to untangle them and you can't untangle them anymore, which is what we've seen with Terminator. Right. <laughs> the Terminator series is so convoluted that there's no way that you can ever get this string back. You're never you're never gonna be able to untangle this. And they so definitely fuck that shit up. <laughs> well, when, when you jump, well, the thing is, is, but when you're when you're jumping from universe to universe, and these things are going on, these universes, the problem basically is like I I did like the last Spider Man film. I thought it was, I thought it was fun. I love the last Spider Man. But, but the question, film, but the question yeah. is, is that when they drop these people back into their where they're supposed to be, you pretty much just messed up all their timelines. Really, this is Peter true. Parker this doesn't exist. Well, but you're not supposed other guys to think about that, though. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to think about that. It's the magic of Hollywood. The contract is up with Sony. We'll think about it in a couple of years. When we yes, exactly. Well, well, see, but that, but that, that's what the problem with these things are yeah. because now that they've done it, you know, there's going to have to be a sequel that has to continue yeah. this on now, Somehow. which is basically, and they're not going to be able to work it out. Well, if you compare them to it. soap operas, it is a, Marvel has become a soap opera at this point. It's a never-ending, continuous story that we're constantly evolving, switching characters in and out, uh, bringing back dead dead people or long since people you thought were dead. It is a soap opera. They recycle yeah. people. They really do. I, as much as I like the new Doctor Strange, and this is a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it, there's a very major, there's a couple of very major characters that have not been in the Marvel Universe yet that they just got the rights to and they just brought into. Right. And they kill them off like they're nothing in the new Doctor Strange movie. And everyone's yeah. justification is, well, they'll just bring them in from another universe. Like, but it's it not the ones that matter. Meaningless. That is shitting on the audience. And it, it, it makes is. everything meaningless. If you could just yeah. pluck a character. And just go, oh, this is the same character that we just killed, but we're bringing him in from another, from another universe. It makes the deaths meaningless. You can kill anybody at any time, and none of it matters. It's all disposable at that point. And that's my issue. Of Marvel after Endgame, I've kind of been like, okay, do whatever you want. I don't really care. Yeah, I'm not invested yeah that, that was a little discombobulating mm -hmm. a little bit. Well, I, I, mean, I enjoyed it. I liked I it. Mean, well, the, that's the problem when you have a film franchise against that sit there and say a television series. Yeah, you know, and or the unless comic book for that matter. Well, no, even the comic books. I mean, the thing is, if you have a series, let's say Batman the animated series, or even Superman 
animated series and the other ones have gone around they can keep things quite consistent so they know that they can always bring things back or whatever they know that they got they got this to play with but when you get to films unless it's I think the only I think the only horror franchise that's actually really consistent actually is probably the Chuck the Child's Play series. Yeah, that's yes. because that that that's because that same guy who's written all those has been written every single one, sort of thing. Well, and how many writers the third one, have circulated through Batman animated series? Quite a few, didn't there? No, there no, no but what I'm saying, right? the, no, they're all the the TV series of animated series are all under contract for those three years. Right. So, but when you look at a like a Marvel series for instance <laughs> what you basically is is that each one of those has a different writer and most of the time a different director so they're all going in different directions depending on what if you look at i mean let's take that's let's, let's take something a little bit more simpler let's take friday the 13th right. the reason why that does not have a coherent storyline is because it's a different writer and different story that never right. didn't have to i'm making this my own there's no sort of continuity thing. in any of those well especially halloween this is like well, well that's that's probably the worst yeah. of the worst right there i mean there is no continuity there at all I mean, JB has a daughter. Now she doesn't have a daughter. Now yeah. she has a son. Now she doesn't have a son. Now she has a daughter that she actually that that she actually raised. You know, it's like, well, like okay. Halloween, <laughs> Halloween also has fractured timelines. So there's yes. this timeline. Then that uh, uh, Halloween one one two four five six are one universe. Halloween one then H two O then Resurrection. Or another universe, Halloween. Yeah, Rob Zombies, Halloween. The Halloween H2O includes number two as well, because yeah, she, she does oh, say yeah, yeah, H2O yeah. that Halloween. she was in the hospital at one point. Yes. And then you have <laughs> With a boyfriend Halloween. that gets, gets a concussion. <laughs> and then you have Halloween, the 2018 Halloween, Halloween Kills, and now Halloween Ends. That's another storyline. Right. The one that's probably the worst, though, is probably Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah. They, the, 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 the third one? one was a soft reboot. The fourth one was a reboot. They've rebooted it like six times. I want to yeah. say this last uh, one was a killer, though. I mean, I watched it, but the Franklin was still fucking annoying. It was just in another form. <laughs> I didn't mind yeah. it so much. I actually liked it. Well, I mean, even when you get, but even when you get, the, but even the two top Toby Hopper. Um, no, Texas Chainsaw Massacres are not very well synced up. Which one? No, just the, the first two are the only ones that, that actually like sync up in any way. Yeah, but have, and that's not great the way they sync up. I mean, there's, there's this kind of like a shaky sync up sort of thing. Which is the one you know? that? Oh god, because very little because leather Leatherface cuts him, cuts his almost cuts his leg off at some point, and then he's like walking around like everything's fine, and then. And then they got the one that basically got run over by a truck and for some reason the head turns into a like a squashed watermelon, but now he's got a metal plate in his head. <laughs> well, actually, that. I think I think actually I think those are two different characters. Because right? I think the one that gets run over by the truck, I think is the corpse that they're carrying around in part two. And I think Bill okay. Mosley, Bill Mosley as Chop Top, I think was supposed to be another character who was away in Vietnam. During the during the uh, uh, oh. during the events of the first movie, that's how I that's how I always saw. I think Nubbins, I never thought of that. I think Nubbins is the hitchhiker. Okay, uh, that's how I always, I always thought. thought. I I always thought because then I always thought that was like you know he just got his they 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 wreck you know they pretty much got him off the road like he's roadkill and then basically rebuilt his head somehow with a metal plate. <laughs> so that's how <laughs> I looked at it. Like how well, that happened. <laughs> 
It could be. Uh, it could be. I'm wrong on this. Texas Chainsaw didn't. I mean, you can't almost find it anymore. You have to really try to find it. Which one is that, Joe? I know you know. Wait, what? The one with There's Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger. The Renee Zellweger one. That one Matthew got a McConaughey. That yeah, they got a big. Yeah, they got a. They got a good re-release from uh, from uh, from Shot Factory. Gotcha, so that, yeah. yeah. The only, the only one that isn't available on physical media is the uh, the new one from Netflix, which I don't know if it's ever going to get a DVD or Blu-ray release. Probably that not. One, that one was quite oh, good, well. actually. That one was quite it. good with, um, what's her name? Um, Lily Taylor, that one. I didn't hate it as much as everyone did. I just kind of sat hate there. It. I just, just thought it was. off and just let, let, it, let it wash over me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I thought they did a good job. I thought they did a good job. Spain. I just didn't think some of it made sense. Like, why kill off the hot cowboy? He's the only one that knows what the hell's going on and can fix things. Oh, oh, no, you're talking about that one. I thought I talked about the other. I talked about the one before that. Oh, the one I was where trying Lily, to get. When Lily I Taylor is the mom. Is the oh, one which one? That's the one where they <clears throat> they basically said ignore two, three, and four. This is a direct sequel to the original. And that, yeah, then they couldn't do math because <laughs> because Alexandria Daddario is in her twenties, but the movie takes and she's supposed oh. to be the baby, but the but the movie takes place thirty years after the original. So and like she, yeah, she's could, all grown up and she inherits everything and she goes back. Yeah, that that one. Oh no, 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 not that one. The one with Lily Taylor is the one that is directed by the Spanish directors. Well, that's the one. And with, it, uh, it is, it's, it's kind of the beginning of Leatherface. How he becomes Leatherface. Yeah, that's he's the at, freak. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the prequel. Okay. To the sequel to the, it's called Motherface. They made the sequel to the other sequel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and that was pretty. I I like the I like the scene where they escape from the asylum in that. I love that. It's just it's just chaos. I actually, I actually, I actually know the actor who plays Leatherface in that because he does a soap opera here and he works on my flatmate who does the makeup for that soap opera. So I met him. I uh, uh, can't remember Sam. Really big. Oh wait, no, he's he, he doesn't. The big dude just. Oh, it's spoiler again. I'm so yeah. confused on my my Texas Chainsaw massacres now. I'm gonna be so fucked on. See, that's what I'm, I'm saying. I just got to watch it. As soon as you guys are gone, because mm. <laughs> now I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to. You just have to let them wash over you and not. Oh yeah, I'm just trying to keep it up. But I'm just trying to keep it straight because you have the sequel. That's a prequel to the sequel. You know, and it's just like. You know, mm. this is that kind of stuff. So, um, I think going back to the last laugh, I think we probably don't. <laughs> we, we do this all the time. It's Joe's fault. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think an interesting thing about the last laugh is that we now get more of a, a bringing out of the relationship between Alfred and Batman because what we do find out in the last laugh is that he's looking for an antidote, but it's not for an antidote to cure Gotham. <laughs> it's only an antidote to cure Alfred, really. That's yeah. what makes him do it. So you kind of think is like, are Gotham just byproducts of his playground and does it really matter about the people? But because the thing is, he's fine with the gas going around and he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not really in a, a, a real big state of finding an antidote. But then once Alfred is, gets it, all of a sudden now he's in a hurry. <laughs> so it's well, like, is Bruce Wayne just doing this here. for shits and giggles or is Bruce Wayne trying to save Gotham all the time because he feels the need to? I mean, they don't really. I mean, what what is his motivation? I get the parent thing, but I mean, that, that isn't really presented in the first few. Well, it becomes, um, is, is Batman more harm than he's good because he's he's stirring up everything, he's bringing out everyone. If, if he just 
stopped a few crimes and went away, would that would it be as would it get to the state that <laughs> that it's always in? reminds me of Jack Nicholson, the bat. <laughs> you know what he's next week. I can't wait to talk about that one. <laughs> I mean, the um I think what you need to realize is that whatever you have, you, you gotta look at man and man's ego and humans anyway, the way things go. Mm-hmm. You know. I've invented a pistol. I've invented a shotgun. I invented a rifle. Now I invented an AK-47. Now I invented a nuclear warhead. It's like, every, you know, you're always going to have to top that. And when you have a yeah. uh, vigilante uh, who's able to fight everything, you know, you're going to, you're going to get people who are going to think I can outsmart him and even be, and try to be even worse than the one beforehand. You're going to get that situation. You know, you get, you get that in, um, you know, you get that in street gangs to a certain extent, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to do this. Now the next street gang goes, oh, well, because they've done this, we need to get worse than they did. And then you just, just you just have to keep topping each other until you destroy each other. And the same thing kind of works here with Batman. I mean, you know, you know, and I guess this is with the Chris Nolan one, this makes it a bit, I think it's a bit more said in the second Chris Nolan film where basically is what Sean Sean said that basically Batman has created the villains around him. It's yeah, he really has. Everyone, it's a license. Oh, we can put on masks and go out, and the public's okay with it. Okay, cool. Let's mm-hmm. <laughs> let's go commit crime. And that's kind of he, he is. The, I mean, he brings out everything around him. It is weird though, because at the end of the episode, there's a slight moment where uh, he ponders. Mm-hmm dropping the joker into the pet vat of acid he has a little moment where he's just hanging there by the rope and he slightly muses thinking yeah. tilting his hey, I didn't the read side. it that way that's yeah. that's not how i read it i i, I read it as he's fucking with the joker oh he's messing with him but it's just a slight thing after everything you've done uh very slightly maybe just just maybe i'll let you sit here for a little while maybe i'll forget about you no i can't do it but it, it's a very slight moment where he can do it but we've been talking the entire time about their d- battles with standards and practices. This episode kind of gave him the green light to go buck wild and beat the heck out of anything robot. Because there is a robot in this thing, a robotic clown, Captain Clown, that Batman just went nuts on, beating repeatedly in the head with a crowbar and a lead pipe. And they were worried about standards and practices because of how say violence. It is very violent. But they said, uh, it's a robot, so it's okay. It's very it's very much in the same vein. If you shoot somebody but there's no blood, did they really get shot? It's okay, as long as there's no blood. So as long as it's a robot, you can violently bash somebody in the head with it as long as it's a machine. But that was one thing that they realized, oh, cool. So just make everybody robots and then we can get as rough as we want. Right. That makes sense in a weird way, yeah. <laughs> Well, as I said before, the only episode that Batman bleeds in is on leather wings, and they said, and they and they had fought, they fought really hard. After that, they said it wasn't even worth the fighting anymore to get have blood shown in the series. That's so. a shame. That's a shame when when, when filmmakers have to kind of just. Get well, off. the th- the thing is, they get their own back because. They do end up doing their um, straight to video movies that they're able to get a, they're able to push those boundaries a little bit, a lot further. Yeah. And and we start dealing with death and we start dealing with things. We we do I mean they I have to sit there and say that sometimes I think with them dealing with the 
sensors and everything that they had to deal with. I think that's probably the reason why we have more of a richer series, because when you get faced with that kind of thing, you kind of have to think outside the box. And sometimes that challenges you to do something better than what your original saying was. You know, it's a bit like um, you can make a horror film and because you have a budget restriction, you might be able to do a Jaws instead of doing a film where you have like a really bad looking of <laughs> a bad looking monster or something right. so you have to find a way to work around that and build suspense around that and build your characters so what we get what you'll see later on in batman anime series when there is a death of a character sometimes the picture of the person seeing that dead person is actually more haunting than the person than the dead seeing the dead body itself which see, we'll, we'll get a lot of deaths off screen eventually sort of thing and especially like when we get you know, when we get to like the underdwellers and other episodes like that coming down the line sort of thing. So wait, Keith, you said Batman, the animated series movies. There was more than one. There's the killing joke, which is the um, which is more Batman Beyond, I think. Oh, um, all right. So you're you're taking into consideration all the all the stuff. I thought you meant just like of, just in this universe. Some of the animated uh, films do continue on. They, they, Paul Dini comes back to write some of the films and they they loosely tie together the uh, the timelines. The mark of phantasm is more closer. Yeah. Which I think is involved in, in, in the Blu-ray. Batman Beyond is pretty much a continuation of this timeline anyway. Because what we get is basically, we get Nightwing. We got whatever, well, you know, we'll find out what happens to Barbara Gordon, which is quite horrific, really, when you think about it. Um, as she becomes the Oracle. We also got, the, the Robins that have failed through history um, because obviously Batman is doesn't become the person that he is at the moment and what he turns into, which Batman Beyond is actually a great series. I was quite shocked that they did. That was a fantastic series. It starts off shaky in the first five or six episodes and then it kicks off. It's like, well, okay. Maybe they were yeah. just getting their sea legs, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, apparently there's two official movies. Yeah, there's Mask of the Phantasm, and then there's Sub Zero. Yes, directed oh, yeah. into a movie. I had no idea this existed. It's a yeah, Mr. Freeze movie. Yeah, yeah. I've always I've always seen it on shelves. I've always I I don't think I've ever actually watched it. I got to be honest. Joe, I have it upstairs. I have it actually. Which one? Sub Zero. Sub Zero. The Batman movie. I had no idea this existed. Yeah, I it's it's good. I mean, I have to sit there and say those movie versions are good. I have to sit there and say the best Wonder Woman movie ever is the animated Wonder Woman movie. So much better than the live action movie. I haven't seen. I don't know. I love great. the live action ones. Though. I like the first nah. one. The, the the last twenty minutes I could be without, but I, I didn't mind the last one. Oh, the second one was terrible. Right, the second one was horrible. <laughs> but the yeah. the original like nineteen eighty four. Yeah, I, I thought it was one of the dumbest yeah. movies I've ever seen. Is that the one you were talking about then? Yeah, that was. Uh, I that prefer was a- I prefer the TV show with Deborah Winger as her sister. <laughs> <laughs> Who who's probably tried to bury that all her life? Good probably. old Deborah Winger. Yeah, she doesn't. Yeah, she's not. She's not one to like look kindly on stuff that she's ashamed of. Sort of thing. So. <laughs> Are you looking for a graphic design that will take you to the next level? 
or something that shows confidence within a growing market to help you stand out amongst the crowd. Amazing Designs gives consistent and on-brand designs whether you are looking for something conservative or you want to let your imagination soar. They bring professionalism to a high standard and they are able to visualize your ideas and give them that extra edge. Working one-on-one -on -one with their designers will give you a design that will live up to your expectations and more. Affordable, expert designs for all occasions whether it's logos, brochures or whatever you can dream of. Amazing Designs is your to-go place for creativity and hands-on expertise. Try Amazing Designs today. Contact them via email at AmazingDesigns505 at gmail.com. That's AmazingDesigns505 at gmail.com. Or reach out by phone at CrunchyCold1-805-203-0427. We love them so much here at the Literary License Podcast that we use them ourselves. So I guess what we'll get to now is what's your best storyline and worst storyline of these four episodes, starting with you, Joe? Well, I, I got the last two conflated with each other, so clearly those, those didn't stand out to me. Um, probably probably the, the first one because it just reminded me of old horror movies. It's probably the one that I that I probably liked the best. Uh, although I probably was best entertained by the first Joker one because that one just it just hits the ground running. And there's so much in that that's so much fun. So it's probably that one actually. It's probably uh, uh, Christmas with the Joker is probably my favorite one of the four uh, for this, this go round at least. What about yourself, Sean? I think my favorite one of the four was Nothing to Fear. Uh, it gave a little bit more depth into Bruce. It, uh, you got to see, I, I just, I always love digging in a little bit more into his, the dynamic with the PTSD of his parents. And uh, I, I like Scarecrow. I always have liked Scarecrow as a villain. Uh, it goes back and forth with Christmas with the Joker, though, because it, it does hit the ground running, as Joe said. And it, it's such an iconic character. But I'm going to have to say, just inching it out is nothing to fear. Yeah. And Vicky would be on Leather Wings, because that's the only one that she watched. I'm, I'm really sort of like my favorite author. Whatever book I'm reading is my favorite. Time. <laughs> my favorite is going to be Nothing to Fear. I like I like the the darkness of it, and there's this dark thing that kind of like afterwards, kind of like it kind of niggles into into your subconscious about Nothing to Fear, which I quite like that. And I also think that. It might be more of a male thing is about letting down your parent, letting down your father. And it has all that tied into it as well. And I think like, you know, I think, you know, most, I think most boys or most guys kind of have this kind of ingling about what, what your father sort of thing as well. So I think I kind of relate to that simple thing saying that I don't let that rule my life. So for those out there, I don't have daddy issues. Not yet, right. anyway. <laughs> I'll have those tomorrow, though. But um, but nothing to fear. I think I think that's why because it's darker and it also gives me. It's kind of like a precursor of what's to come, and that's what I quite like about nothing to fear. Um, for absolutely fun, fun, and just to see how much fun everything could be. Christmas is the Joker, as far as fun. My worst probably would 
on leather wings, but only because it doesn't seem as well formulated as the rest of them does. I think that, you know, but I do realize it's their first episode and they're trying things. Yeah, on leather wings feels completely disconnected. It's mm-hmm. it's almost as though, yeah, we filmed that as a pilot and then the studio went in and wanted this change, this change, this change, this changed, and then and then they just threw it on, they just aired it anyway. Because mm-hmm. it has an entirely it's different feel from every other episode. It feels like a pilot. Yeah, yeah. it does yeah. feel like a pilot where they didn't completely they didn't completely go with what they had. Uh, they, you know, there were there were changes made. I'm just trying to figure why none of this stuff is in order on, on the HBO series. Mm. I mean, I'm sitting here looking, and these these are like separated by three and four episodes. It's just weird. Mm. And I guess what we'll get to now is our favorite and least favorite character, starting with you, Joe. Which, who's your favorite character of this block and your least favorite character? My favorite is probably going to be Man Bat, only because he reminds me of old classic horror mad scientists. And that's that's my thing. Like, there's no exploration here as to why that, like, that would be my favorite, because it's just that, like I said earlier, he reminds me of like an old mad scientist that Bella Lugosi or Lionel Atwell would play. So I just, I gravitate towards those for whatever reason. It's just mm. stuff that I like. Least favorite? It's kind of early, but I mean. Least favorite. Well, we don't really have to hate get, it. We didn't really get a lot of Robin. So I guess Robin. Well, I guess Robin just makes that little, that little, whatever. And then he's exit stage left. Hmm. And then he comes back, right? Yeah, yeah, he just kind of seems very like. I think out of the four episodes, is he only in one of them? Uh, yeah, he's only yeah. in one. He's only in, in episode two. He doesn't. He's yeah. not going to show up. He's not going to show up for like another eight, ten episodes, and then we get his origin story. Robin's reckoning. So when I think he comes back, isn't it? Oh wow! So. Yeah, it's 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 a little early, but I guess Robin because we really don't have much of him yet. Um, mm. So far, I mean that could change uh, during the course of the mm. series. Uh, Bullock, for as much of a dick as he is, I kind of feel, uh, you know, he's just kind of trying to be the by-the-book consummate policeman, which is always the most unpopular person, the person who's going to go by the book until you realize that there's a reason that the book exists. Is I, I don't remember the series as much, so I don't know if he's going to end up being kind of corrupt like, uh, like Eckhart is in, in the 89 uh, Batman movie. <laughs> so um, so I don't know maybe, maybe there's the corruption there I haven't seen it yet but I, I assume it's in there um, that's probably going to end up being my least favorite character we'll see <laughs> and what about yourself Sean favorite and least favorite I guess out of the four probably the Joker only because we got him twice uh, you got to release and you saw a little bit of the growth of his character throughout the two uh, episodes, I really enjoyed him in uh, in Christmas with the Joker. Paul Dini was talking about it, and he said um, that one of the traits he liked for his Joker was the Joker is obsessed with the un, what he called the unkind joke, or the joke, uh, or the unfair joke, excuse me, or jokes that are completely out of line, where someone's going to be a victim, and he'll just laugh at it. And you kind of got to really see that on display throughout the two episodes. 
and you know, he he kind of grows into one of the best characters in the in the whole franchise. As far as my least favorites, honestly, in rewatching it with adult eyes, I gotta say Commissioner Gordon. Uh, he's kind of letting Batman get away with murder. Uh, Bullock is 100% justified. He is in his sticking up, up for him, I will he's say that. He's sticking up for him. He's sticking up for him, I'll agree. But it's one of those things, oh, yeah, you're badging gun. You're, you might be the only uh, cop that's actually doing your job around here, but you're a jerk, so screw you. Get off Get off the case. So, uh, realistically, honestly, just because there's so little of him, too, we don't really have much character development from Gordon other than the fact that he'll let Batman do what he wants. So, probably at this point, uh, just Gordon. But that will evolve as the show goes on. Um, my favorite character would have to be... I guess thinking i like the scarecrow a lot there's something psychologically about him that interests me i am my interest is held with him and the thing is because i i don't know if this has to do with watching it in this episode or that i when his backstory gets more drawn out which we'll see later i don't but there's something about him that really interests me more than all the other villains there are there are a couple other villains i like a lot um poison uh, poison ivy i really like a lot but for this block uh, scarecrow just interests me the whole thing about get he's got the ultimate weapon he's worse than the joker to me and he's worse than any of the other because he uses your internal fears against you and that interests me so he's probably my favorite character my least favorite character has to be summer gleason and know she does have a couple parts in here like in the christmas of the joker and she does appear in other in a couple of these episodes but she's supposed to be this female reporter person but she's kind of just a, a 2d cardboardy kind of character which everyone else seems to be these three three-dimensional characters and her character never in these four so far don't really get drawn out She's like a character that could have been dropped. You wouldn't even know that she was there. But she seems to always pop up in these episodes. And it's like, she, why is she here? We called her not so. Vicky Vale as kids. Because uh, she yeah. with the whole time. We're like, why don't you just make her Vicky Vale? Who is this, yeah. Yeah. this new character? And, you know, the two, you do have a bit of flirting between her and Bruce when they're in the elevator a little bit. And then she does. And then, she, then she's, you know, giving uh, her, you know, she's being hung up by the Joker with um, Commissioner Gordon and Bullock. And then you, then you get her again as she's reporting on Joker's laughing gas. But it's almost like, it's almost like they're trying to make her into something that I, there's not being realized. So she just leaves empty for me for some reason. I don't know what it is. I don't think I'll ever, I don't think I, you know, we'll wait and see. Maybe I'll warm to her later on. But at the moment, I'm just like, who's this blonde bimbo? <laughs> sort of thing. You're generalizing. Well, I think it is because she is painted like a blonde bimbo. She's supposed to have like this brain and everything like that. But so far, it's like they, it's almost like they're telling you that she is. <laughs> Just well, no, but what I'm saying is, but they, they're, but, but the thing is, they're telling you that she's this intelligent person, but everything that they got her saying is not very intelligent. It's almost kind of like this giddy Barbie doll thing, which is like, so that's probably the problem with her. Well, this brings us to the end of the Literary Lessons podcast. Our next Batman episodes will cover the following episodes. Please take note, Vicky. They will be Pretty Poison. <laughs> Pretty Poison, The Underdwellers, POV, and The Forgotten. 
And of course, next week we'll be doing our make remake. We'll be covering Batman from 1989, the Tim Burton, and Batman from 2014, the Christopher Nolan, which is Batman Begins. And of course, uh, we'll be continuing our Dark Shadows episodes. And Doctor Who will be premiering next week. And that will be out for you people on Sunday next week. And that will be done by a cast of 10 people, I believe. A cast of thousands. Yeah, tens of thousands. People who do the Doctor Who series? Yes. Wow. And and a couple more from the BBC who actually produced the show. So we'll see yeah. how that one pans it's gonna out. It's going to be a BBC production. Really. Yes. And yeah, I imagine editing that, that's going to be a lot of fun for me. So yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm so glad that we're not doing TV shows yeah and of course of course our next book to screen will be um whatever happened to cousin charlotte um written by henry farrell and the movie is hush hush street charlotte directed by robert aldrich and starring olivia de Havilland and betty davis so it's good night for myself good night vix good night good night joe good night everyone good night sean good night everybody and we'll see you next week for Make Remake with Batman from 1989 and Batman Begins in 2014. Hey, neighbor, let me give you some advice. The Russians are about to pull right Or perhaps a nice propane